Hey, you beautiful fucks. This is episode 9 of the Becoming Human podcast, and I'm your host, Will Nelson. In this podcast, I explore the human experience, the many interesting ways in which it deviates from our personal worlds. In this episode, I sit down with my curious friend, Andrew Figs, to understand what it is to be at the mercy of our insecurities. I've struggled with feeling secure for about as long as I can remember. But last year, I became increasingly introspective, which it gave me insight into how insecurity has been hurting me and keeping me from having the most fulfilling life, I guess. I realized that my personal narrative was a lie. Um, my concept of my capabilities were so skewed, it was like a fairy tale. As with every time when I reflect, I'm astounded how black and white and rigid my ideas were of this reality. But Andrew Figgs, he was a large component to the shift in my life. He was one of my inspirations, especially with how vulnerable he was. And he reminded me that despite my personal narrative, I'm not as alone as I think I am. Anyway, to deviate from digging deeper and getting tangential, in this episode we also discuss our experiences microdosing and its utility, the struggle of balancing security and freedom, whether we need jobs, and much more. Uh, before that, just I got one announcement. Um, October 1st, I'm going to throw up a teaser on social media of my next audio project. It's, Am I, it's called Am I Real? It's a narrative uh, sci-fi kind of podcast. It's about a man named Sky who explores what it is to create reality and toys with the question, when does a simulation become another dimension? Anyway, let's get fucking freaky! Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to try that out, actually. You know? and, wow. and yeah, and so you're just, you, you you walk it, you see all these, you know, maybe it's a couple of people and you see them and, and you get to people watch now. Mm -hmm. You get to see like, oh God, this person's, he, he's there like kind of rubbing his hands, maybe maybe biting his nails a little bit, doing some nervous body, body language. Yeah. Or you see this other guy who's just like, really just like really sure of himself and confident and this is mm -hmm. the job you know he's going for yeah and you just get to kind of like watch maybe mirror him 
that guy with confidence and then and then go in and just have fun you know Mm -hmm. play when kind of thing about interviews that i i i've come to notice is that once you land an interview they don't they don't care about your resume they don't they don't want you to reiterate that like they've gotten it yeah Am I gonna sit here and re reread what you should have already read as an employer already? Yeah, exactly. To you? Or you know, now is your chance to try and start to just make make connections with you people. You want that hook like in the story kind you of know, thing yeah. that really draws them in. You know, make make it fun, make it fun for them, and you're gonna be memorable. Oh, and sure. you know, you'll probably end up getting more callbacks than you would imagine. If yeah. You do that. You know, and then all of a sudden you're feeling really good about yourself. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am awesome. I yeah. am worth something, you know? Okay. What is that position that I really wanted to go for? Oh, walking in there with, and then now you got all this steam behind mm-hmm. you. Yeah, exactly. Wow. You, know, you, you got the snowball rolling. You, you're, you're building up. Yeah, exactly. So, so you walk into that next interview. You've, you've maybe like, Maybe you went like a little bit too absurd in one of your interviews. Yeah. You're like, okay, that doesn't work. But you, you, you've narrowed it down. You know how to banter now. You know how to like just like switch the subject off of the typical, you know, the interviewer, uh-huh. interview, yeah, because you're the interviewee. The interviewer has been through what, you know, probably like hundreds of these. Bro, yeah, ridiculous. You know, they're, everyone's is about the same. They're it's an old Western movie. You know, but when you walk in there and you, you switch it up on them, they're going to be like, holy shit, who's this guy? Like, and then you, you make that, you make them smile, you make them feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, you start learning how to lead the interview. Oh. You're, you're going to land that job. People want to know if you're going to fit with the company. They don't want to know whether or not, you know, you know, X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Like, companies are going to, they're generally, they're going to teach you how to, how to do the job once you're there. Mm-hmm. That's, that's something that I've discovered. It's like, that's kind of what I've realized too in certain in other areas. I'm still mm-hmm. dealing with the with the labor aspects, which I'm trying to get out of. So my, I guess my perspective would be short. But in those areas, I've realized even for high shit, they just throw you in there and they just kind of work with you. They mm-hmm. want to know if you're workable. Yeah. But it's almost like uh, when I was in the restaurant industry, um, my head chef actually, my head chef, and then a couple others that I met too. Um, they'd say we don't want anybody who's like extremely, you know, a good chef or knows what he's mm-hmm. doing because then you got to work them out of their own bad habits and oh, yeah. habits you want. That's a bitch. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, that's, that's how I learned to cook is I, I had no, no kitchen experience. Yeah, my mom didn't even teach me how to cook. And within, you know, a couple of years I was the kitchen manager at the beglory mm-hmm. beglory. And then within another year, I was sous chef at Chuck Nut, you know, and Ooh, yeah. I had just learned, like, I was offered to stage, which is um, essentially an internship for chefs. Oh, really? Uh, at a five-star restaurant Ooh. in Woodhamville. You know, and Damn. I have no official formal training. Yeah, exactly. Quote, unquote. I, I have experience working with other chefs and learning and mm-hmm. paying attention and just honestly a little bit of a natural skill for it yeah exactly but it's not what i want to do and and i learned that you know after too many years of kind of wasting my time in mm-hmm. that industry and, um, 
that's what I think is something that is severely lacking. I think now is that we don't have this process for um, children, young adults, or even just adults. Period. Uh, that's an explorative process um, yes. because you don't understand until you're in it. And yeah. which, it, if you want to know my my pipeline goal, dream, mm-hmm. whatnot, it's it is to be in politics. I think I think you might have known that. Yeah, um, yeah, I do remember this. But yeah, I was good conversations. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would really like to to be in politics, start local, um, and and make make a difference. My my main focus is education. I think that is the key to fixing everything. It's just education. Education. Mm-hmm. I think I kind of agree with you, and I'd like to take it another step further if I. Um, may interrupt. Yeah. There's uh, um, the foundation of interpersonal skills, which we are severely lacking: self confidence, mm-hmm. um, obviously self empowerment, creativity, and basically the ability to think and the, be- the ability to realize self actualize. Yeah. Because if, you and know, that's education. Know. We need to educate them in that. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, any problem you throw at me, I I feel like I can bring back into education. Um, you know, the prison system right now, the, the failure in that, that's, Mm -hmm. we have what's known as the, uh, school to prison pipeline, which Mm -hmm. is just, you know, we, we, we segregate certain neighborhoods and children and essentially all they, all they have to survive is through kind of mal- malicious kind of ways mm-hmm. but that's, yeah. that's all they know they yeah don't, hustle yeah yeah you know and and we don't we don't value our education and our teachers enough to pay them to get good teachers into school to engage you know all these kids and yeah their parents also aren't around because they're having to work two three four jobs mm-hmm. and why is that it's because we failed in our education beforehand that's true i, see, I can see how that can be a systemic mm-hmm. problem obviously we can't you know, get everyone, not everyone's geared for it. Yeah. I believe like we're, we're, we're obviously teaching the, you know, to pass tests. Mm -hmm. We're not, we're not teaching to actually learn and grow. Yeah. Not useful knowledge. Yeah. You may have an education, but you're not an educated man. Yeah. You know, I know how to pass tests. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean I understand anything of what I did. Exactly. Um, it's, it's once you kind of, learn the framework of tests, then it's just like, I see what they're looking for and I can give it mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. You can, you see the system and how, mm-hmm. yeah, I see what you mean. I, I've come to realize in my time in Arizona that what I take for common sense isn't necessarily for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's <laughs> 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 saying it nicely. Uh, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. It's just, I think we should focus on an education system where it's more of like a, a charter school system and there are issues with charter schools at the moment and mm-hmm. we need to make sure that they're not segregating. They're not biased. Um, they accept everyone of all levels of income, race, gender, etc. Yeah. Um, but having, having a school that would focus on what a kid is interested in, let's say you, mm-hmm. you see this kid, and obviously, you got to give them a little bit of a base of everything to start with. Yeah. You know? And um, is that what charter schools do now, or is this um, even taking Some a step? Okay. And this, and this is what I think is taking a step further. Okay. But let's say you know you we get past the elementary kind of school stuff of basic reading, writing, uh, math yeah. skills, whatnot. 
Um, so everyone, everyone needs a slight basic in that. But maybe you see this child who is, wow, he's, he's, he's really into like building kind of Legos a bit, maybe Tinker Toys, something, whatever we got nowadays. I don't know. Um, I'm sick of Legos. Everyone <laughs> yeah. loves Legos. Everyone loves Legos. <laughs> they just get cooler and cooler, man. But you see that kid and he's, he's building things that are, you know, definitely well above what maybe his other classmates are. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's gear him towards a career in engineering. Give him, give him the resources to to discover that and explore and you you will see that child grow substantially and fast too and you can tie in other stuff into that with like through reading and and other things and whatnot but wow this kid is really interested in this he's going to grow or she um, it's substantially, substantially fast too, because this is what they want to do. Yeah. Maybe you have the kid that's more musically inclined. And so you give them the resources and, and you can turn a music lesson. It doesn't have to be just about music. There's music theory. Um, and you, it's full of math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> you know, you know, two, two, four time, five, eight, you know, et cetera, you know, and, and notes and, and beats and and then there's the history of music you can go into or yeah maybe that kid is super into you know war history and that that can branch off from there you know i was i was really into history growing up and i loved it Um, egyptian history yeah so you you give the kids their resources of what they're interested in and you'll just i think watch people grow and and just nurture that yeah and we will we will work ourselves out into careers and paths that we want to do and we're good at and that's the that's something that i have been it comes to a personal struggle and it comes to something that i've seen when i was in the school system Mm -hmm. when i was getting the way out because i was in an alternative school so i'd have my teachers and they'd be like this fucking shit's ridiculous because they were always fighting against the the state because they wanted (laughs) them to do things and they were an alternative school but they weren't like uh, they were doing experimental education and it was interesting because they were trying to turn these kids who, like, they're at a third grade reading level, but maybe they're freshmen in high school now. And since that exponentially, they fall behind exponentially, Yeah, it becomes even, you can't expect, to, you can't teach them in one year. And then in three years, you can't teach them in fucking two years yeah. to get anywhere. But what I find is interesting is that, so throughout my whole, my life, um, I'm constantly trying to seek something that resonates with me. Everything else, everything that I can do that's available to me to be able to make ends meet, to be able to hustle, um, it doesn't resonate with me. And if it does, it's I'm making huge compromises because I need to make money. And it seems like if on an individual level, if money is the dedication of resources to you and I give you more money because this is, I know this is very ideal. This is probably, this has gone very askew in the years (laughs) since we've created this system, but I give you the most... I would give you a lot of money mm-hmm. because that's saying that you're benefiting the society a lot. And the more you benefit us in some way, anyway, could even be in material goods, then you're going to get even more money. And so that should be reflective of how much you give to the society. So if you're passionate about photography mm-hmm. and you can't do, you feel like you're limited in your pursuit of photography because of the, um, I guess, the financial strains. Yeah, the financial strains. 
then your society has fucked up your situation to the point to where you no longer give back to us, our country, or our local community mm-hmm. like you could have yeah. because we've created that constraint. And so if you were to be able to free, that's very ideal because right. the infrastructure is so <laughs> large, it, it would take so long to do anything like that. But just the, the very notion of it, and it, it, I'll get back to the um, school systems and how it kind of ties in. But if all of us were able to actually identify what we enjoy, we would innovate far more quickly in those areas. We would be far more happier, less sick, cost us less money, less violent crimes, I would imagine, because you are dedicated, you're spending your time on things Mm -hmm. and you would even have less debt because people aren't spending their money hemorrhaging, trying to fulfill some gap that is ever fleeting because what you're doing for fun now is beneficial is directly beneficial to the society because if you're a painter fucking paint yeah and if you're an amazing painter you're going to touch people it, it doesn't matter it, even if it's silly and so if we don't educate our children to be able to identify whatever that is with them they are missing out on the most efficient way to live in respect to what they give to the society yes. and what they take away from life because if we're looking at that as the best, the most ideal way to live life, that's also conducive to a society, it's, it should, it, I would think it would be what you love and giving you the interpersonal skills to believe in yourself <laughs> and to do that. Cause Which is huge. We, and we have such, like, what is it? Just not systemic, but huge amounts of self-doubt within our society. Maybe people are... We might all be born innately or some shit like that, insecure, mm-hmm. but whatever it may be. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. A lot of us are insecure more than not. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised by my recent findings in that. And I think just like you're saying with education, that is critical. It's more critical than math, any of those things. And I'll even tie that in a little bit down the road too. But it's far more critical because that's the base. The only reason why you think you can learn these new concepts in math is because you can believe in yourself. And there's, I th- and that's another great thing about a charter school mm-hmm. is that not only could we, you know, give the kids the resources that they're interested in, but we can also include programs that most people might find like woo woo, like you know, a required meditation. Start the morning off with the meditation. Mindfulness, yeah. You know, mindfulness activities. Um, and 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 teaching do do like an improv class yeah. that's required because that teaches you how to be okay with the silly situation like get out of your comfort zone um and and that gives you so much confidence when you can get up on stage in front of people and get thrown a random scene and and work with it not only are you just driving creativity off of that alone but you're also starting to feel comfortable with yourself, who you are, because you get to decide what you're going to do with that situation. You get to put part of you into that role that's been thrown at you. And you are just going to grow in your confidence. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a struggle. Anyone that has ever tried improv to start with, it is scary as hell. I'm not trying to get, I want to bad though. There is hell, but you grow and you, you get to learn how to talk to people mm-hmm. that way. Um, and so many, so many different, you know, avenues and you get, you get to play different roles and, and see how it feels, see what, 
see what feels good for you. Um, see, kind of learn how to empathize, learn, learn what another person might feel. You know, there's, there's an exercise where let's, you just walk around the room and you walk and you think what, um, let's go from one to 10, what a 10 would be for a person. Like think of that most amazing kind of like confident guy and you walk like a 10 and now we just bring it down to a nine. You know, you keep walking. I'm bringing you down to an eight. Okay. Well, you know, maybe your, your shoulders kind of go down a little bit. You're not fully straight up. And then you just keep bringing it down. Now you're a one, very bottom. Now you're just kind of, you're hunched over, you're walking. And, and then we bring you back up to a 10. And you get to feel, anytime your body changes like that, if you, if you just exercise like that, you know, just, it's amazing. Like, just holding yourself a certain way, you get to feel all the different emotions and, and learn how to carry yourself better and then learn how to give yourself that confidence. Yeah. You mix that in with the meditation where we learn how to be mindful, how to listen, how to breathe, how to get over anxiety, mm -hmm. how to focus on your breath or a certain part of your body. Um, personally for me, if I start feeling anxious, I, I stop and I just concentrate on my breath. I, I feel the motion of the inhale. Mm-hmm. And the exhale. Every morning, and, 30 minutes. Yep. You know, and I just, and that grounds me. And it's amazing. And I just, it's like, what was I, what was I really anxious about? You know, it's only a situation. It, it you know, probably won't harm me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, obviously, there are exceptions to all things. <laughs> but if we are able to teach our kids that, they will they will be so much better off than any other generation yeah. that we have ever had. And, and, and I'm, I'm sure people are like, well, what about, you know, like McDonald's jobs or, you know, there's, you know, who, who wants to aspire to be at the McDonald's? I have a funny, I have a funny thing on that. <laughs> and then I even have a solution on that too. Ooh, my thought is, you know, we're giving our kids the resources and unfortunately not everyone is going to either take that or succeed or will distract themselves. We cannot force people to to do something, you yeah. know, or anything. And not everyone can make it, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And and that's how I see that you know positions like that will fill in. But for a majority of people, I think you will find a more happy, more confident, more secure nature. I would agree with you, because it's uh, it's almost like a blind thing. Or a big blind spot that we've had, but to their, um, to I understand because mm -hmm. if you look at like our parent, uh, our parents' parents, okay, the fucking cave days because whatever they did for parenting, fucking Jane in New York had no clue what they were doing wrong and right, and <laughs> now we're like completely connected, mm -hmm. and we see these implications at large, and we're able to understand data sets. Sure, we, we've been doing this in the 1900s and stuff, but I think it's now with the internet and the accessibility, it's coming in a lot more. And Pete, because you see it now with like, um, what was it? There's someone who's looking at how we treat our children now, and we treat our children like, is it? I, I, I do it with my son all the time. Not that it's even bad, but like, all their needs must be met everything like mm -hmm. you're pedestaling them and it's not right. wrong or right necessarily but the way that it's it's becoming as a standard is it's becoming really severe to where like you're placating your children yeah 
and um, what do you call it? What I with the McDonald's thing though is there's two things. One, uh, I don't want to say it because it's not here now, but robots, robots are becoming much more readily accessible. Yeah. And um, there's a guy that I was just talking to, and I know that this is just anecdotal, and this is only one industry, but they're um, five year. Oh, I hope it's not but whatever. Five <laughs> years. They, he works at this place where they don't. They can't like non-disclosure for any of the stuff that they do um so hypothetically <laughs> um, five years from now semi-trucks um autonomous yes i heard that as well they're running autonomous semi-trucks hypothetically somewhere around here holy cow i cannot wait for self-driving cars yes that's exactly and i think it's cool because <laughs> so uh five years ago roughly People would tell me, uh, a generation of yours, just previous generation, mm -hmm. oh, God, these robots are going to make us poor and all this other stuff. What I think is going to happen, what I hope is going to happen, which is very mm -hmm. ideal, um, would be, okay, robots are going to take, robots take the place of everything that's based off of productivity and efficiency. And that goes back to, like, what I'm doing right now, like labor jobs and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, those, if anyone, and back to, if you're not following your passion, you're wasting society's time. It's it's not your fault mainly. It's half your fault, half society's fault because we brought you here, and you got to hustle. But um, if your your job is based off of productivity and efficiency, then no, you shouldn't be doing that. And you're probably not going to be doing that within ten years because that's what a robot is able to do way better than we can. Mm -hmm. But what I hope that does is that productivity and efficiency, McDonald's labor jobs, it frees us up to where you no longer have to hustle. And you can just focus and cultivate yeah. innovation, creativity. I think where the fear comes is from older generations. Um, as as like even even as we'll get older, mm -hmm. we'll we'll be afraid that yeah that like I don't have any other skill. I've spent my life doing yeah. this skill. So what am I going to do when I get replaced? And and that is a legitimate fear. Mm -hmm. It is very legitimate. <laughs> yes. And I don't know if I have an answer for that one yet, um, but it's definitely something I could, you know, just sit and work on. And I, I definitely like speaking to different communities within mm -hmm. the Seattle area. I'm seeing people who are actually looking to create more solutions to this efficiency and productivity problem. As in, why are people still doing this? I've actually seen a couple people who are um, running some interesting proposals and hopefully moving forward with um, putting robotics in different fields, which I'm really excited about. But once again, it brings up the implications and I think it'd be interesting to where we like where you could get to off of what would happen with those people who just have those skills. Yeah. And then again, like I ask, what is life? Like I've, I've, <laughs> I, 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 I've, met, I've met some people, man. We're like what rich, poor, um, labor or not labor where all they do is they will do this job and then they come home. They're just, this job takes most of their fucking day. They spend yeah. most of their time there, spend most of your, um, and when you come home, you don't have time to think about many other things, research all these things that are going on or get interested about things. And then you have two days on the weekend. I don't, which is not enough time. I don't like, I think weekends should be a, a, a mandatory three. Yeah. You need that one day to recover. You need that one day to get shit done. Mm -hmm. And then you need the other day to, you know, just kind of do 
what you 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 want. Yeah, exactly. Because you can get away from have your responsibilities all sideways because you got mm-hmm. those. You can have those already taken care of. It's let alone who can who can get things done at like important places during the week and on the weekend they're closed, like the bank. You know, uh, you know, shit. I gotta I gotta rush out of my job and get to the bank in time mm-hmm. to get something. And you know, it's like. Well, if you had a three-day weekend, either Friday or Monday, you know, depending if you're doing that typical, you know, Monday through Friday kind of work, yeah, then you're also going to be able to, one of those days, you're going to be able to take care of those chores and mm-hmm. things that, you know, during the week you, you normally can't, or you're rushed and stressed, and with stress, you know, is one of the number one killers, so yeah, we'd get rid of that, and... Highest in the world too, you know. States. You know, our medical bills would probably go down, yeah. along with once again, if we taught our kids how to meditate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and that's the biggest thing that I I've been doing it. I will consistently, give or take a couple of days here. That happens. Um, mindfulness meditation, uh, thirty minutes to an hour every morning for the past six months, and it has changed my whole fucking. Life. And that's amazing. I only it's, do ten minutes a day. Yeah, I, I'm really hard on myself. <laughs> like, and then I do, dude. It's bad. I feel like a. Um, not that there's anything wrong with it, but a very, very, um, what is it? High maintenance woman, because it takes me <laughs> three hours to get ready in the morning. I have 30 minutes to an hour of meditation. Uh, I have a, a cold shower that I have to take in the morning nice. and then I do an hour of yoga and now I'm trying to implement running. And then I do a, um, what is it? A five minute journal. <laughs> I can't leave the house. Like I get up at four in the morning and I leave here at seven forty. Man, I don't. Uh-uh. But that is a great like. That's a great routine. You might be able to to knock it down a little <laughs> yeah, that's bit. What I'm hoping for. But if you kept that same routine, just a little bit less time, mm-hmm. I I think it's great. Like you know, you do your yoga. That that one. You know, maybe about 45 minutes. Yeah, is, exactly. That one, I don't know if you could knock any more off of that. You like 30 minutes to an hour, mainly the 30 minutes. Let's, 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 let's say you want to add that running in. Mm-hmm. But you also want to get, you, you kind of want to get the same out of it as if you had run a certain amount. Well, let's, let's, let's work on smarter. Let's, let's throw on a weighted vest, maybe. Let's oh. let's get a altitude mask and throw that on. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna run 15 minutes. You're gonna feel like you ran an hour. Mm-hmm. You know exactly. Holy shit! And your your body's still getting that that same. You're you're, you're just being smarter about mm-hmm. it. You know? I see what you're saying. You're kind of you're doing a two for yeah. You're, you're hacking yourself. Yeah. essentially. So these things, though, for me. The really hard. It took me a long time to get to the point, and I got became desperate. I became desperate slash extremely inspired, and then it became habit. But when like so, the difference between when I have my son because I have my son. Uh, I guess people don't know two weeks on, two weeks off. When I don't have my son, kosher. It's super hectic because I like I have MMA after, or I have poetry, all these things, and it's you know there it's whatever, but. These are the things that I desire and that that would better me and I'm passionate about and what I put out, it affects people. Sometimes it doesn't. But then I go and do like the work and it's, you know, eight to 10 hours a day because I need to, I need to eat all that other bullshit. <laughs> and that stuff like curse you food. Yeah. <laughs> I need to just, I, I can just breathe the air. That's all. And if while I'm there, I, you know, I'm stressed out from this work and it's, I can understand for a lot of people, um, kids or no kids, 
you can't, how do you do things outside of that? Because it does take up so much fucking time. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to complain about it. I am looking at it like, okay, a lot of changes are happening right now. And also with the accessibility of putting your ideas out there online and get funding online too, maybe there's a different way to walk the line instead of an eight to five. Like there are, or and, and, and future, yes, you know? and there is a different way. And that's something that I think our generation is doing really well. That it, it, it gets thrown at us that we're lazy mm-hmm. and, and we're ungrateful, but we, we've watched, you know, our, our parents and their parents, um, slave away at, at things they don't, they don't enjoy. They're not happy. You, I mean, divorce rates are huge um and and it's we don't we don't want that Mm -hmm. and and we shouldn't have have to do that and if we can find a better way to do something then how is that how is that lazy or ungrateful exactly and 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 let's be honest when they're when they're calling us you know lazy and whatnot they're just basically saying they failed as parents yeah pretty, yeah we, we're the product of their parents <laughs> i i think also like what gets misconstrued for laziness is um attempting to quantify um the the final product mm-hmm. of whatever we work towards and also in well, i guess this ties into quantifying the final product but being efficient yeah. So if you enjoy photography and you spent more time doing photography and you know other things that surrounded your interests around that, once again, an hour of you doing photography is probably going to have a better return or more interesting return than an hour of you managing a kitchen because you may be really well at that and you may have good skills. Mm-hmm. But you don't have that drive. Like you wouldn't spend twelve hours a day willingly managing a kitchen for free. But I imagine <laughs> you would go to like some. Crazy, oh crazy place to go, you know, for yes. photograph something that's that you've been wanting to, like. Absolutely. like, And that t- ties back to school when you're talking about <laughs> math and stuff with kids. That's, that's one thing that I really um, try to focus on with my son. I don't know how to do it. I'm trying to figure it out. But the only reason why I do math, I, I'm working on um, becoming proficient in as many programming languages as I can. And I don't like math. So when it comes down to algorithms and stuff like that, fuck. (laughs) But I learned math because of it. And I'm driven to learn math. And I think when you flip-flop everything and say, you must learn this because you're going to need it in life. But I think you can stretch that. And it won't stretch too far to everything else, to surviving and all of that. It's like if you're inspired, these essential things are simply a repercussion of that inspiration. And let alone technology is giving us just so many tools to to find ways around. Like, I think having a basic knowledge of math is important. Mm-hmm. And I think there are going to be people. I know people that are just obsessed with numbers and whatnot. And, oh, yeah. and that's that's what their passion is. And that's great. And they are, they are driving us forward to create even more and exciting tools. Mm-hmm. But for the majority of me, like, I don't go around and, and calculate the quadratic formula on my daily basis. <laughs> yeah. But how much of my time in school was was dedicated to having to know that? You know, it whereas in I could just go and and maybe let's let's use photography again as mm-hmm. an example. 
you know, I need to decide what, you know, a certain ratio is of my, you know, aperture, mm -hmm. shutter speed to, to distance, to focal length, etc. Um, and so I need to know that basic math skill to figure it out. Or if it gets too complicated, I can look it up mm -hmm. and, and find out how to do it and calculate it. Yeah. You know, the, the knowledge is out there. And it's at our fingertips, and we sh we shouldn't be ashamed to to use that. No, it's and I think as we go forward too, I I almost even think like the way that our perspective and views and things are also shaped by the accessibility of tools, which make it to where you don't you don't need all of this junk or people, yeah. junk people or um, concepts. To be able to understand these things, you could just cut straight to what you're yeah. what you're looking for. Let's use the tools that are available <laughs> in the world to get ahead. Mm -hmm. You know, the caveman that put the rock on the stick and used that to kill his prey, opposed to the guy that was trying to hunt it with his hands. Like, oh, that guy's lazy with his spear. Exactly. You know? It's like no, he, he is smart. He innovated and he he used what is available. Yeah, and, and we grew as. <laughs> As a species, because of that. Exactly. <laughs> or like the lonely guy who decided to make a flashlight. Like, that, that works perfectly. No, you're right. It, it, it benefits us as a whole because in the end, we are trying to cut it down to where we can basically get to to survive. And now it's not survive. I don't really know what it is. I think it's to create, honestly. It, it is. We, we have really kind of, I mean... Not everywhere, obviously, in the world. <laughs> yeah, no. Because, um, you know, I spent my time in Africa, and, you know, that was... Yeah, that was a different about that. Oh, gosh. And I think that's also important and should be mandatory for, mm -hmm. for every child. Like, if we were able to fund education well enough where maybe it's their junior year of high school or so, yeah, we send them into the world... Mm -hmm. And they spend a semester or a year, even learning a different culture. It would it would be so beneficial. It would open up so many eyes. I, th I think one of the things that you know people don't understand is is, is we are not we are not the world here. <laughs> yeah, we're very egocentric. We are extremely <laughs> egocentric, and and a lot of nations, a lot of like more you know, Western Western nations like let's say France for example, they mm -hmm. they send mm -hmm. their kids, you know, to different places. And yeah, it's easier because, you know, in Europe it's everything's are closer, but still, um just think of how many Chinese exchange students you see. Yeah. You they are getting a taste of worlds just by just by experience and, and that's benefiting them. And it would benefit us and I think open up a lot of people's eyes and make people more empathetic, more understanding and willing willing to to, to maybe make a sacrifice that they don't necessarily want to to make the world a better place. More of a sense of community at large mm -hmm. in a way. Which is I um, to even go down a little deeper on that, I think is um, lost within our current society as a standard um not saying that there's anything wrong with something we lost but i think there's something it's kind of emerging through the internet i'm excited to see what it becomes what's going to replace this sense of community but since there's no standard of religion anymore um catholics oh, yeah 
and um, then you that sense of community is lost. And I actually met a guy who's um, an immigrant from Russia, mm-hmm. and he came over here. He's an adult. Came over here when he was an adult, um, and he told me that it's the most isolating thing he's ever felt being here. And he said that there's Russian people. It's not that he doesn't care, but uh, what happens is is that so in in Russia. Why do I got to Russia? <laughs> no. Um, in, <laughs> in Russia. If you need to move, you can't hire anyone. You have to ask your friends. If you're in like a rough spot, you need something. Like it's obviously there's services, but there's not a, a paint to paint your house. You you have to rely on some form of community. And because of that, you start building bonds with people. Mm-hmm. And he said over here, everyone just uh, – you can pay – you can choose to pay money to, you know, have your Take stuff moved. Yeah, and get plumbing, all of that stuff. But because of that, the, there is no other option now because here it's, it's all there is. You just pay someone. And bubbles. It, at least this was, this was for me for way too long. But there's a sense of – I, sh- I should be able to do this by myself. Yeah. I, um, why would anyone <laughs> want to to help me? Why, mm-hmm. why do I deserve to be helped? And it, it took a very, very long time for me to accept other people's offers to accept for, in myself to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And, and it's astounding. Just people, people want to help. You, you may not think that, and they might not even think it. But when someone does come to you and asks for your help, generally, I think I think everyone would be surprised by how willing and eager people are. Yeah. I, I had a very low self worth in myself. Um, really? Oh yeah. See, I'm just looking at you from the surface, knowing you for the time that I have. No, and, uh, yeah, that is that is what I found from a lot of people. Is I I was severely depressed, mm-hmm. um, and I used marijuana mostly to mask it a lot. And and I I love the plant, I love it, but I I realized I was just using it to to hide my depression, mm-hmm. and it, I I never faced it, never grew. And just had a horrible self worth. Why would anyone want to help me or do anything for me or like me? Like I did not understand why people liked me. Yeah, I, I seemed to make connections with people. People seemed to like me, but I I was baffled by it. I did not understand why would anyone want to be my friend. Mm-hmm. And it, it took me a while to to get past that. I'm on the tail end of that. Yeah. I seem... And it's it's confidence in yourself. It is. And it's funny because um, all of it's... I say it like this, but it sounds whimsical. All of it's make-believe. Because all Mm -hmm. of it is... It all starts with you and it all ends with you. And it's like... There's a couple of things that I found were interesting throughout, I don't know, just my journey or just things that I've heard is the... um, One of the... One of the things that really struck me was that um, everything that you see is simply a projection of yourself. And that projection, so like you realize that, oh, these people are so crabby all the time. And it's, or like 
these like I need to be in this relationship or I need to be surrounded around people or nobody loves me. Well, you know, you don't love yourself and it all starts there. The only, it's like when you wake up and, ah, I'm going to have an unlucky day and everything's unlucky. It's because you get that confirmation bias. And I think it's that way with your securities. And meditation has helped me with it, but also uh, therapy. And I think that's something that is very taboo in our culture as well is, is some sort of, mental health it's we're all ashamed of it but it it shouldn't be something it should be it should be number one on our list Mm -hmm. is is mental health and and being able to find someone secure to talk to um even if it's like you know like yeah they're paid not to tell anyone but that gives you that sense of security enough Mm -hmm. to to be able to tell them and it takes a little while also to open up for anyone but it's it's vitally important. I think we need to learn how to take care of ourselves before we can take care of others. Exactly. Mental health and then with children, mental education. Yes. And there's an interesting thing. I don't know if you experienced this in therapy. I went to therapy at one point in time. I didn't even have any problems. I think I got, I was sober for a while. Yeah, because I think, no, it was before my son was born. I just want to go to therapy because I felt like a lot of people in my life were causing me frustrations. I was rather young. Um, and what I always thought was that as long as none of my friends knew about it anyways at the Mm -hmm. time, um, what's it going to hurt? Because isn't it, I I thought, well, maybe like life is kind of like a muscle or it's kind of like a video game. The more you kind of work at it and if you can get some tips, you just get better at it. You're not going to get worse. Like what I realized though in therapy was at first, and it took a while for it to, for me to break this, I would lie to them. I was, I wouldn't lie to them, but I would skew information because yes. I would be dishonest to them. And then I realized that I was never honest to myself. And I have done that <laughs> like with, and I've always struggled with that. When I was in therapy, I'm like, eh, I'll just do the work. I always put the work off, but I think it was about a year ago. I'm like, all right, this is what I'm here for. This is why I came out here is among many other things, but it was to deeply understand myself because mm-hmm. if, how can I be in a relationship? How can I do anything? Unless I understand myself. And it'd be interesting. So I started to be honest with myself. And I started admitting to myself things that I was always scared were true. But they were. And it's the most freeing and liberating thing. It is. (laughs) It took me seven years. And I used to cry myself to sleep with my when I was married. Because I never loved my ex-wife. And both of us mutually and we I never wanted to say it because and it wasn't even in hindsight I didn't want to say it because then that would mean my son has a broken family and that I am a horrible person somehow but if I say those words it makes them real and the crazy thing is is you're not the first person I've ever talked to and related to about this and I've it's probably more than the majority it is that it really is is. and and it makes me really sad what you said you were you were comfortable going to therapy as long as no one else knew. Yeah. Why is that? Like, it shouldn't be a thing that we're worried about, anyone, anyone knowing. People should be like, hell yeah. High five. Yeah, you got the high five. Yeah. You do you. You get you straight. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. We should be, that. that is what I want our, our culture to be like. Like, you know. And also... Not be afraid to talk to your friend if you think they need it. Just be mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, 
this this is what I did. It worked for me. I have a great recommendation if you want to go. You know, yeah. I, I can go with you. You know, I'm, I'm here for you. And, and just, you know, being honest about it. And, you know, yeah, I, I get it. You know, you, people might not want to hear it, but as long as they know that they are supported around them and that this is something that's not wrong, nothing's wrong with them, per se, like, mm-hmm. to go... I think it would be too, probably one of the more liberating experiences out of everything. Cause like we, a lot of us get a shitty hand that we're dealt with, not in comparison to third world countries or anything like that. But I'm just saying we, we have these components. A lot of us have these components in our life that we struggle with, whether it may be our self image, whether it may be creativity or um, family, any of that stuff. And to be able to be open with that, hundred percent like not to be open a hundred percent that would be important too but to how do you say that i guess just any amount of openness yeah. would always result in some form of positivity as a whole well, yeah. yeah like the thing is is when you tell the truth you tell the truth? Yes, thank you. Yes. When you tell the truth and, and someone gets upset and angry, it's they, they're not mad at you. They're mad at themselves. If, if, if what they're hearing really upsets them, it's because they, they, they do know it to be true. As long as you are speaking the truth, then you, you have done nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, they're getting upset it's because they know they know that they're in the wrong. They just don't want to admit it. Exactly, yeah. and that's the hardest thing. Once again, being it's, it's, honest. It's super it's, hard. Yeah, there's a there's a book that's called Radical Honesty. Ooh, Radical Honesty. I don't remember who wrote it, but basically, it, the guy spent the time and and it, uh-huh. just. No matter what, he always told the truth. No, like, no matter what. Are you serious? Like, how long did he do? Was this like yeah. something he just inspired to do? And yeah. Just, he just tried it for a while. Like, it was like a month or more. Radical ones. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, it was rough. <laughs> it was really rough. It was. And it pissed people off. Confrontation just. Oh, confrontation. <laughs> yeah, but it was freeing. And, and, like, that, kind of, like, the moral of it is, like, you know, the more you tell the truth, the better, really. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, well, here this going on, too. Yeah, exactly. I was like, ah, it's bullshit. They're lying. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> I have another book for you, too. Oh, you? Yeah. Nice. So, um, say now. It's called uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy. No More Mr. Actually, that's, yeah. That oh. book, for me, kind of really opened up my eyes. Really? It's, it's not about becoming like a jerk or an asshole. Um, actual self-actualization and uh, mm-hmm. confidence. Yeah, and and just kind of like, I don't, I don't, I don't know, like, one of the things in one of my past relationships is I was... Like you said, this is what sparked it. This uh, confrontation, confrontation. 
I was afraid. I was afraid. I just wanted things to go smooth. I, I didn't deal with that. Yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to upset things, and so I, you know, I just kind of skated over, and that wasn't healthy. That wasn't. That didn't do anything for the relationship, except end up just building resentment. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was I was too nice. And then there's also the covert contract that a lot of nice guys, quote unquote, um, do where. I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to help you out. But I know like <laughs> I'm, I'm expecting something. Yeah. Um, fuming about it for a couple of days. Why didn't they do that? Yeah. <laughs> but that shouldn't, if, if that is the reason you were helping out, then, then that is completely just off basis. You are being selfish. You are being mean. You're being manipulative and you, yeah, you're doing something that's kind, but you're expecting something that, the other person has no idea about. Yeah. It's, it's the covert contract. And it's your fault for not communicating. Yeah. We never, people who, um, I guess, ex- who experience these struggles never realize it. I know that I have never realized it until certain points in my life where it was like, what the fuck am I doing? Mm-hmm. It's my fault. And I, like, it's, it's, it's kind of like a pain point because, like, I'm not a bad person. Mm-hmm. But I am kind of an ass. <laughs> I'm an asshole. Like, but I never thought of myself that way, and I never realized it. I, I don't know if other people do, but I guess secretly I was an asshole. Like, I would, I would do things for for girls. You know, it's just like, oh, why does she like me? You know, like, ah, now I'm getting frustrated and angry and resentful. But I never communicated. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, was, I I may have mowed your lawn or something, but that doesn't mean you get to, like, owe me anything. Like, I did it because I was nice. I was I was offering to do this as a genuine and kind person. But in my mind, I had this bizarre kind of covert contract. Yeah, I like that covert contract. Yeah. I, and I've even been in uh, attempted relationship situations and relationship situations to where that's happened, to where... The attempted relationship is that was my, one of my ways that I'm like, okay, that that's just how I, how how would I say this? Fuck it, it's how I would bait for a relationship. That's horrible, but it's that's, that's the reality of it. Mm-hmm. And I've had it to where one time where someone who is just like, who was able to articulate their feelings, but they didn't give a fuck about it, you know any work. If if you don't come with me or if you don't, you know, bite and whatever, I'll just move on. But they were very clear about what they, their intentions and they were successful in lieu of me making, I guess what you'd call yeah. a covert contract and fucking failing on me. And just being like, what? why is this asshole getting me? Yeah. Off? And I think he's an asshole, but he's not an asshole. He's just a person. He might be an asshole. Or yeah, that is true. Like, But he's, he's being honest about his feelings. Yeah, exactly. And that, that in and of itself, just because he's able to be honest and I, that's, mm-hmm. he doesn't have my struggle, does not make him a dick or a greater or superior to me. No, not at all. I realize in uh, martial arts. Yeah, it's probably like a seven or a six on the scale of guy code. I, yeah. So, like, you know, you, you, we rate women mm-hmm. like one to ten, right? And it's, it's kind of degrading and it's, it's slightly childish, but it happens. And, yeah, you know, it does. It's, I mean, you, you always, we attribute value to almost anything, yeah. everything. So, so on like a guy scale, you have, you, you kind of start at a six mm-hmm. for rating other guys. 
Um, and, and essentially, that's the same thing for women. Like, let's be honest here. There, there's no below a six. Yeah, no. If, if it's below a six, then you're either a shitty person or I'm sorry, but, you know, you're not very attractive. Yeah, exactly. Or, or, <laughs> yeah, basically. Which doesn't always have to be looks. It's also personality. Yeah, that's um, true. Someone can stink. Mm-hmm. But for, so you start on a six, and this is a guy that's always just kind of like, and I'm going to butcher this, um, <laughs> but he's always kind of like wanting, trying to trying to impress, but also is has no self-confidence in himself. And like, it's just tagging along. Um, you get you get up to a seven, and maybe this this guy is more of a uh, he's a little bit more confrontational, um, but still not very sure of himself. An eight, um, eight is like a one upper. Um, guys, you know, like hey hey come on, I, I I bet you I can do twenty push-ups. Look at me, like boom boom boom. And you're just like really, dude. <laughs> no, come on, get over yourself. Um, nine is you're you're starting to get pretty awesome. Um, you 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 give value to everyone around you um, instead of trying to take value, and that's that that is more of like a seven is always trying to take value from someone. I see what you're saying. Um, nine, you're 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 giving out the value. Um, ten, ten is like Jesus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you better be able to walk on water. Yeah, <laughs> back. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever you idle or whatnot, yeah. you know, that that's usually a ten, and that's what you should always be striving to be. You that's that's unattainable, but that's what your goal should be. Is yeah, you should you should live at a nine and, and and strive for a ten. I see exactly what you're saying, and to be able to, it gives you that goal and that sense of something to work towards, and also that a, it gives you the idea that you're able to become that person. And the interesting thing that I've witnessed within, like, uh, martial arts was that uh, in doing that, and I meet, I rate guys as much as I rate women, but um, <laughs> that meeting men who are very fit and they're, they're very attractive, and it's kind of, first, just intimidating because it's like I have very low self-worth, and then I assume they just exude confidence when I talk to them, and then I become really good friends with them. They're just like me. It's not all of them, but most of them are just like me, and I find out that, okay, so the reason, some of the time, if you're not genetically gifted in that sense, mm-hmm. the reason how, how you got there is because you had such a low self-worth that you had to compensate so extreme to be able to get there, mm-hmm. and you're still sitting there with the low self worth, and they're working through it. It's nothing bad. I love those guys, but I mean, they're going through my struggle. I'm not alone, or my community of people is not even alone because it's just it's almost at large. And that's the same. It's, it, it's not just yeah. It's guys and girls. Like you see that beautiful woman, and she is with some jackass. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, what the fuck? Like, why are you? You're an amazing person. You have great personality. You're beautiful why are you with this guy? Because he was the only one dumb enough to go up and talk to her because, you know, and she thinks she just has so self low self-worth because no guy has gone up and, and interacted with her or given her the time of day. No one's been really kind to her because she has this false persona of attractiveness. Oh my gosh. And this is all anecdotal, but I heard this from a, Social scientist on another podcast, and I think it was by Radio Lab. 
And they were actually talking about this exact thing where once you become so pretty, because you would fight to get there because, mm-hmm. you know, low self-worth. They didn't describe the self-worth part, but they were talking about how beautiful women <laughs> have um, a low opinion of themselves, which is confirmed because no one approaches them because they're so beautiful. Yet it takes that dumb jackass who's just like, I don't know what's going on. Hey. Yeah. And it, Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And these realizations that have come to me within like the past year have completely opened up my world so much because everyone that I, and I don't, this is going to be a stretch and I hope nobody hates me for this. (laughs) But, um, so if I were in the ghetto and if it were not just an insecurity thing, which that, that I assume a lot of that has to do with insecurities as well. And helping keep those insecurities there because you know, everyone's in the same spot. But if I were in the ghetto and if it weren't insecurities, but if it were poverty, if it were all of these things, then fuck. If this is if this is pretty damn hard to conquer, I can only imagine what that would be like. And the reason why I take it there is because throughout my whole life, I was I did grow up in the internet age, obviously. Mm-hmm. But when I was a kid not everybody was on the internet like they were now. So we weren't all talking across different backgrounds. Yeah. So I, I guess it was a confirmation bias as I was growing up. Laborers, people who did not really communicate and talk about, you know, what they experience in life. And so I just felt like I was blind and suddenly woke up to this aspect. And I hope that our children, my son, um, his children are actually educationally exposed to this because the fact that I don't know this now I could only imagine the kind of understanding and cool shit that I could have experienced. Right. Like, God. And that's what started me on the podcast is because it's not just this. It's also these other aspects that it's like keys and just unlocking these doors to, Oh my God, that is an amazing aspect of life. I never realized (laughs) like, and a big shout out to AOC. Like, that was an amazing experience for me. AOC. Art of Charm. So explain this Art of Charm. I remember you explained it to me previously, but it's been about a <laughs> since then. So. so Art of Charm is I'm listening to way more podcasts now. So. Yeah, it's a podcast that is more male kind of focused, but they have a large female base as well. Mm-hmm. And it started off originally at Alice Hades as a, not Hades, but starting days, um, as kind of like a pickup podcast, and it was focused on kind of giving giving men, you know, more self-confidence and whatnot, and it's it's evolved, and it's still that, and they do a a week-long boot camp for men only, sorry, Um, (laughs) but it it focuses on body language, on uh, building confidence, on getting over things like approach anxiety, learning how to network, learning how to, you know, bring in the, the right people in your life that you want and how to how to do conflict resolution, how to get people out of your life that are dragging you down and are hurtful, but doing, still doing it in a positive way where you still give value. And it's it's amazing. And they they now um have a lot, it's a lot more just like kind of like life skills and self improvement and and it's it was as a week long camp that I went to mm-hmm. in LA and it was just life changing and 
things that I've been talking about today have have stemmed from that. Yes. I have just met so many amazing people, and and you get to meet people from around the world. Like they have, they had. I had a guy in my boot camp who was from the Netherlands. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, Australia, and you got Canada. You know, they're Mm -hmm. everywhere, and and there's people that all want to make a change in themselves, and they come together and. And that's what really like made me go, wow, you know, I am not alone in this feeling. Yeah. Like these, and, and you look at these guys, like some of these guys, like one of them, he was a, he, he is a, uh, a cheerleading coach and he, like he's, he's buff, he's great looking. Yeah. You know, someone you would just like think would, you know, ooze confidence and, and, and charm and whatnot. And, and he comes in there and he was, he was right in the boat with the rest of us and, and just like so, you know, self-conscious and, and just kind of like, uh, you know, timid. And at the end of the week, we were all just like, you know, big smiles. Just you, you walk up. One of my favorite exercises, they forced us to go on Hollywood Boulevard and we had to go up to strangers and ask them for their first, uh, first three impressions of us. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. And we had to get like, as many signatures as we could. Uh-huh. And so, you know, you're, you're walking down Hollywood Boulevard and you have to like, you have to go be, and you're carrying this notebook and you're like having to stop people who are there, you know, it's Hollywood Boulevard. There's just like people from everywhere. Oh, and, and they're intense. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're, you, you have to talk with them and they're filling out and you get back because you're not reading these as you go because you're just trying to, you know, the coaches are there and they're making it, you know, go up to anyone so they write the three they write them three impressions down they don't tell them to you and then they give them the notebook and they write them down you chatting with them while they're doing this oh that'll give me a little bit of anxiety (laughs) oh god oh yeah oh and and, then you know you got the coaches there kind of making you and then you partner up with a buddy and your buddy has to like be like you're going to that group and you gotta do it you know yeah and of course you get that little bit of competition where you're with the other guy and it's like okay what group can I pick out that I know this guy, you know, I'm going to send him to this group of like five beautiful women. I'm going to send them up to this like, you know, <laughs> you know, group of intimidating guys, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And it's just like, God, I hate you. Okay. Yeah. Next. <laughs> but you get back to, to base camp and, and you go through and they're like, okay, now pick out the three most common responses you got. And, and you're going through your notebook and you're just like, this is what people see when they meet me, like, you know, super confident, uh, gift of gab, you know, uh, really friendly, you know, handsome. And it's just like, this is, this is what people see when they, when they first meet me, this is their first impression of me. This is not what I think of myself, but this is what the world sees. Cause you are getting, you're getting a slice of the world. You know, yeah. I, I meant, you know, German couple, you know, that was, that was hard to explain. Oh gosh, um, I can imagine. You know, you got the Japanese, Chinese, you know, people groups, you know, uh, you know, I got African Americans, uh, some rappers, you know, like oh, street gosh. rappers. Yeah. Like that. And it was just like, holy, oh, like, okay. Okay. I get it. I get it. I'm not <laughs> as worth this as I think I am. <laughs> yeah. It's all in my head. It's, it's my imagination. All in my head. It's yeah, that's where the imagination fucks with you. That is a really cool exercise though. It was yeah, it's huge. Wow. And the, and you know, they every night we 
we'd go out to a different club and, you know, we'd be, we'd have to break off and, you know, kind of interact with everyone and just have a good time and, and, and or try to have a good time. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the coaches were there watching and you, next morning we get feedback, but they'd also be there like trying to like, you know, Hey, go, go say how that cute girl. She's by herself right now, you know, yeah. and just like you get back the next day and every night, like I didn't think I didn't, I didn't think I was, you know, doing a good job, but like I get back and everyone was just like, Figs, holy cow, you, you own that place. You're, you know, yeah. everyone knew you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so gosh, like, that must what? have been such a great feeling. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, oh, really? <laughs> you know, I, I, I managed to, one night, I managed to meet the band and, and you know, got. Oh, to, what? Yeah, and like, you know, oh, my gosh. The band and so I'd be like, I'd meet someone new and I'd be like, hey, how's it going? You know, I'm like, you know, what do you, you know, how's it going? What are you doing here? You know, what's your story, et cetera, et cetera. And then, like I see the band, I'm like hey, hey Jimmy, how's it going? Oh, what? <laughs> it's like things. <laughs> <laughs> and how did that change the whole experience for you, as opposed to like experiencing that and then the aftermath of that confidence, like you know, calling out to the band and stuff <laughs> like that, compared to you know before before you went and did something like that. Uh, it was, uh, it was, it was just eye opening. Like when you just. So you just cool. stop giving any fucks, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And you were, you were there to have fun. Fuck anyone else. You know, you are there to have fun for you. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, and, and when you can break past that barrier in your mind and just start doing it, it it's it's amazing. And, and more people just gravitate to you. It's that charisma. That's I've and learned it, that too. It just yeah, it out. And I learned that. Yeah, I when I start the night, I usually have a lot of nervous energy. And um, one of the things we would do to to kind of get past that is it's nice to go with a group. First of all, you know, you got you got your your home bases essentially, and your buddies to come in and you know help you out if you need. Yeah, struggling. Or also just kind of gives you some confirmation that you're not some weird creep just by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Swimming through the crowds. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I don't know. I, I kind of lost my train of thought there for a second. So let's see if I can get it back. You got this. <laughs> um, How it's affected you? Yeah, just, just not, giving a, not giving any fucks. And... And just having just just having fun for myself. Um, a lot of times, I used to, you know, it's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I might want to, you know, meet a girl tonight, or you know, I'm going out to to try to do this, or you know, something. I had like a pre-planned agenda in my own mind, and it caused so much anxiety, the and, rigidity of it all. Yeah, and, yeah. and just like the, oh, can I, can I? I talk to her, you know, she looks busy and, you know, just like, no, just fuck it, go up, have fun, you know, <laughs> you know, hey, you look like trouble or like, psst, don't tell anyone, but I'm actually a secret ninja <laughs> snuck in here and, and just ha having fun and, and just making a game out of it. And if they're like, oh, you're weird. It's like, well, oh, cool. You know, thanks for, thanks for showing me that, you, you know, you're basically not worth my time. Yeah. Your, your soul is mean and. I don't want any part of yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Or the you don't know how to enjoy yourself in you know a yeah. silly kind of way. Like that's I like that because then I can see how this works, and or how this would be effective. Mm -hmm. Because 
then you would be getting someone who enjoys having fun in the exact way that you do instead of mm-hmm. this facade. Yeah. And then it's nothing. It's all pretend. Exactly. And, oh. and you know what, Damn. you know, when you're, when let's, let's be honest, girls get approached a lot and they're, mm-hmm. they're often on guard. Um, and, and, you know, I also learned, you know, different ways of standing and, body language that's why it made you uncrush your arms yeah, earlier that's exactly because um, then you're closed <laughs> off from yes. like communication <laughs> uh but like you know when you when you confront them and and they're mean to you and you're just like hey cool you know thanks for showing me who you really are and you, you walk away and they're just like oh holy shit like and they see you and you're you're just still having fun like that didn't affect you exactly. you're, you're, not, you're going up to a group like maybe you're you know, chatting with a bunch of guys, you know, or going over to another group of, you know, mixed couples and whatnot, still having fun. They're just like, oh shit, this guy was pretty awesome. And I was, I was really mean, you know, that's, that's maybe isn't really what she's like. And she'll, she'll come back. She'll be like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I just thought you were another one of those random bro assholes. And it's like, no, like, Hey, this is, we are getting just a small sliver of who we are right now. This is nighttime. We are at a club. Like, you know nothing about me. I know nothing about you. You seem cool. I would like to get to know you. But if you don't want to, you know, do that as well, that's not, that's whatever. It's, I'm going to move on. It's cool. Exactly. And I'm, I'm not wasting time. I'm not, I'm not sitting there at home tonight just being like, God, what if, you know, and have that eat you alive and then that be the thing mm-hmm. that keeps you from doing it the first or I'm not pining you know maybe I see you again another night and you're like oh it's that girl or, or whatnot you know and it's like no cool whatever I'm I'm here for for my good time and if I got my buddies here I'm, we're gonna have a good time mm-hmm. you know we're having fun you know and that turns this like this whole ball of like dark shit or potential shit mm-hmm. into just always happy fun kind love they're not happy fun but fun and silliness as opposed to you know just that rigidity i i see that because i've had instances where like oh this has to be this one way like Mm -hmm. uh what was it oh i had to it was me and this is outside of even confronting people but um like i what i enjoyed the things that i enjoyed i had to um I had to enjoy, what was it? Oh, architecture and stuff like that because that was reasonable. That was responsible. Mm-hmm. And it was being dishonest to myself in order to appeal to what I thought people wanted. And when I did that, I got in the way of ultimately representing my truer self. And then that that made it to where people were not magnetized towards me. People wanted to be away from me because then like if I even go to uh, like a club or something like that, I come there and I'm coming there with this anxiety and this rigidity because, you know, oh, I'm going to ask that girl. And then yep. people are repulsed by that. They are. Because you're not enjoy. It's not, I don't want to be around you, man. And, yeah. There was one night where I pretended it was my bar. Oh, really? I, I would go up to people. I had my glass in my hand. I'm just like, you know, cheers them. And just like, hey, thanks for coming out tonight. I'm glad you made it. They're just like, you know, who's this guy? Yeah. And I just, you know, I'd chat with them. I didn't tell them anything. And then I'd walk away. And people just started assuming, like, oh, this, this is his place. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. <laughs> that's one of my favorite things is to fuck with people. And I, I ended up doing it to the actual owner. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was like, hey, thanks for being here tonight. He's like, oh, this is my place. <laughs> He's like, oh, 
I was like, oh, well, even better. Yeah, it's mine now. It's so cool. And the guy, the guy cracked up and had a great time with me. Really? Yeah. And that's what it boils down to is like the only thing that the most important thing that you can walk away with or the most lasting thing is just those hilarious or just those awesome moments where you enjoyed yourself. If you enjoyed yourself and you made other people enjoy themselves, even better. Exactly, man. And that's where I'm getting to lately is that even in shitty situations, I'm trying to just put an emphasis on, I'm only here to enjoy myself. That's all that I'm doing. Yeah. Because if anything else, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> and every opportunity has the, I don't want to sound like I'm patronizing in that sense, but every opportunity has the ability to be a pleasant ex or a fun, silly experience. Mm -hmm. And with, so when you did the Art of Charm stuff, did that like, that actually had a lot of takeaway from that. Yeah. And it really has lasted uh, effects. It has lasted effects. I, I'm i also, you get added to a community page online. Oh, cool. um, and, I mean, any question you want, you just throw it out there. Mm -hmm. This all the Everybody that is in that page has been through this, has, you know, different life experiences, but has also been through the program and understands and there's no judgment whatsoever. Yeah. You have guys in there that are trying to get over porn addiction, you know, really? and, and everyone's just like jumping in just being like, Hey, you know, like try this. This is what worked for me. Mm -hmm. uh, do you need a sponsor? I'm here for you. You know, I'll call you check in every day, community. stuff like that. It's, it's, it's a great community. And that, I, I mean, that has paid for itself. Just yeah. The community. Um, I went to LA, um, back again for a barbecue they at headquarters they try and do like a quarterly barbecue essentially and mm -hmm. I, I drove back and just got to hang out and meet some other alumni from from the group that I hadn't oh, met before wow. and you know you get to network and, and chat and yeah. it's just great and all the guys once again like you know maybe that's like someone you never thought you would have you know, like gone and talked to or gotten along with maybe but we're all connected by this. And so we all like, are just like, Hey, you know, you're meeting someone that's just like, wow, his personality originally, I don't think I would have been friends with, but you know, he's actually a really decent person and really cool. And you get exposed to those different perspectives mm -hmm. and personalities to that connection. Yeah. Wow. That's a really cool experience, especially something where like you, you took, you went to go and do that would be frightening in and of itself to you know go out to go do a boot camp. Thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and like it did it help you with your anxieties as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and that's also where I started to learn how to meditate more as well. Oh, so they incorporated that within their practice? They or? they they talk about they teach they kind of touch on it slightly, but one of my guys who was going through the camp with me, mm -hmm. um he 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 did a lot and and got me hooked on it. Really? Yeah. yeah. Just, I love that rabbit hole. That's so much fun. <laughs> yeah. It's hard, but and it's I use fun. I use the app Headspace. I like Ooh, a guided yeah, meditation. Mm -hmm. Um, that I find that's what works for me. And so, okay. have you tried a loving kindness before? A meta meditation? I don't like calling it loving kindness because it sounds so hippy dippy. <laughs> um, it's loving kindness is one that I'm working on, like an additional one that I do on top of just mindfulness and focusing mm -hmm. on my breathing. But it's it's strange. It's to cultivate joy. It's uh, I think it started in uh, either Buddhism or Hinduism. I'm not sure which one. Okay. Um, no, Buddhism. Um, and it's where you go. You take yourself, and then you you think about yourself. 
you think about the, all the things you enjoy about yourself, and then you think about the ways you suffer. And then you send yourself heartwarming kindness, which at first I'm like, what the fuck's heartwarming kindness? Right, it's so, like, arbitrary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I tried to, like, picture, well, warmth and then a heart, and it actually kind of it worked after a while, like, the that I was able to have a mental picture of it and somehow that corresponded to some weird body sensation. And um, after doing this for a while, like continually throughout a couple of days. Mm -hmm. But um, what you do though is, so I'd start with me and then you'd go to the person that, um, that you enjoy the most. And then you do that with them, like in one session. And then the next person, you'd go to a neutral person. And then the next one, you'd go to a difficult person. And you would think on these things and ponder on them while you're meditating. And then you'd think about them all as one and then send heartwarming kindness and love to them as in unity. And then you'd think of the universe. And so it's supposed to help cultivate more, I guess, like that thing of improv you yeah. were speaking of before and pondering on it. It's another way yeah. that I guess you get into it. Yeah, and it, it's taught me a lot of empathy because I thought, oh, I'm empathetic because... I care about people, but <laughs> this doesn't work like that. I mean, I was able to, I've been able to put myself in my son's shoes more and Good. people around me, like my ex-wife and I, we don't really have many confrontations, but when we do, we kind of just ride it off and ignore what the other one does and then just continue like uh, passive aggressive, non-confrontational. Yeah. <laughs> um, but instead we we're able to come to more agreements recently within the past couple of months, which is a trick. It's um, and I'm trying to work on these things that you went to the art of the art of charm for because mm -hmm. I don't know I I struggle with that deeply and I've come to um, a lot of places of clarity with it and I'm curious the people that you met there like what how far ranging were their perspectives or were there where did they come from if that makes sense trying to articulate that I, I, I think I might have to walk here. in circles um, on that one. Yeah, there, there are people from all walks of life. We had a gentleman who was in his late 40s who had been divorced three times. Um, he was there. We had a kid who's he, he, he was basically going to school. He was getting his master's in biochemical engineering. Mm -hmm. It was because that's what his parents were making him do. Uh, yeah. um, and, and after... That wasn't what he wanted. That's not what he enjoyed. Ooh. So he, after doing all this and whatnot, he left school to pursue magic. Oh, really? Yeah. That's so cool. And he oh. is doing great. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He's what? doing awesome. Shout Ooh. out to you, Hide. Uh, What's this man's name? Hide. Hide. Oh, I like this. H-E-I-D-A-I. Please tell me I said, or uh, something. It I'll, I'll look it up. up. I don't. Okay. I don't know how to spell it. <laughs> well, I hoped you didn't, because if you did, you would be a magician as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool name. Man. Yeah. Um, like I said, the other guy who was a uh, cheerleading coach, mm -hmm. um, big buff guy, um, Kyle. And we had another guy who, you know, what you would think of as a typical nerd, um, kind of like in his late 20s, already balding. Kind of the Harry Potter glasses, slightly oh, portly. Goodness, um, you know, it was very difficult. Yeah, 
no, there's by, by the end of it, it he was awesome. Cool. You know, he was, really? he was slaying it at yeah. the clubs and whatnot. His that, confidence. And um, that's another thing that I found or that I see too very often here in comparison to Idaho is that uh, men with a wide range of um, body figures with women. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, no, well, there are some. Yeah. And, 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 and below six is like we were saying. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's not what you want in your life. No, not at and all. You, you should strive to be healthy. Mm-hmm. It, that, that's another thing, too, is that, like, I don't think we sh- I think we all are all too likely, um, what is it, placate people with obesity problems. But in the mm-hmm. end, if it's not because of a thyroid, man, what are you doing? I, I, like, if you, <laughs> you're making an unhealthy decision, if it's not because of a genetic, you know what I mean, or something that gives you no choice. Yeah, but if it's a choice, and yeah, then get it. You know? Yeah, it's like that one guy who was like so mad about weed being legal. He's like a politician, and he is like obese and know, does something for fast food. But he goes by Hide. Ishi. Had another had a married guy. Um, in the camp also. Really? Yeah, his wife signed him up. Wow. Um, she listened to the podcast and thought it would be really good for him. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and he was Indian and from Canada. Uh, and we had another guy who was um, a Mormon, kind of young, still in the military, but really kind of very socially awkward. Mormon military? Whoa. Um, that's very interesting. Yeah, he did all right. Um, he didn't quite break through. We we all tried, mm-hmm. um, but he didn't quite break through. Unfortunately, it felt like he didn't. It, he wasn't ready for it. Yeah, his, his mom signed him up for the class. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, had more. And I think push. I think he needed to sign up for the class. Yeah. Um, more had another guy from Texas uh, <laughs> who was in his late forties with like a. He, he had gotten to. A, injury when he was younger and had some back problems so he had kind of like a weird little walk but like Uh, he was he was the most social out of us all you know really yeah it's amazing um myself and then one of our instructors was an old or not an old but kind of freshly out uh green beret what yeah oh that's so cool (laughs) oh yeah oh my gosh and uh he must have been abrasive. He was. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. But he's a cool guy. Um, and I helped design his, uh, kind of did a little bit marketing for him for his mm-hmm. book he's writing. Oh, really? Um, uh, oh, what kind of, what was the subject of the, of the, the book was on it? Uh, health and fitness. Oh, mm-hmm. I see all those two together. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And, you know. Yeah, and the guy from from uh, the Netherlands, Hans. He was he's awesome. Love him. Uh, <laughs> Everyone that I've ever met. He has two kids, and he's divorced. And, oh wow! Mm-hmm. Oh, and is these um, with these different cultures, were you able to? Did these insecurities or anything? Their struggles manifest in different ways because they had different because they came from different cultural backgrounds, or was it pretty much very very similar? 
across the board. It felt very similar, to be honest. Because that's I've always um, been curious. Obviously, we all had certain things that we were less, you mm-hmm. know, adept at than the others. Yeah. And things that we were more focused on. Um, one thing than another person might be focused on another thing. Exactly. But yeah, it we all kind of struggle with the same things. And um, another book I'm going to give you to Aww. to read that will give you kind of a, a jump start, I would say, mm-hmm. is the um, Charisma Myth. Charisma Myth. And if you want to get a feel, a uh, little kind of like 101 of what boot camp might be like, read the book and uh-huh. do all the exercises. Ooh, I'm excited. <laughs> takeaway from it that's <laughs> yeah and it's still growing and i like that i like that they actually formed a community around that too i might actually have to kind of push that out there a little more this myth is by olivia fox olivia fox i imagine i would have gotten a lot of uh, it's on audible it's only eight hours if you listen to it that's not that bad that's a, almost just a, just a sample um, if you were, oh, about politics, by the yeah. way, uh, if you're interested, you can decide if you're interested, <laughs> go to a place called Four Culture. Four Culture is a very, very, very interesting opportunity to where they post, uh, how do you do that? Like, open openings for various budgets for the mm-hmm. Seattle-ish area, Seattle-ish some of them say it'd be a King County or don't, don't listen to that. Seriously, you don't have to listen to that. Because you're near and all that other kind of crap. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't matter because previous people who have been um, awarded been of the area. Um, but they have like different tiers of funds they have available. Sometimes they'll be very directed, like we need someone to this is a cool one and I, unfortunately I could not take the time off. We need someone to go and sit or you know Mount Vernon? Yeah. There is a bridge, and it's a dry bridge, and it has that building on top of the bridge that you go past the co-op. Okay. But, and then on top of it, there's just this little square kind of building-ish. Going I guess I haven't looked up. River? There's, <laughs> there's a place like that in uh, Seattle, and it's in the Fremont. Okay. And it sits on top there. It's been decommissioned, but I think they're getting rid of it. And what they one of the proposals they had is that uh, budget for ten grand. They needed a poet to um, stay up in there for three days, and they give them ten grand, including supplies for what they Damn. need to eat. So yeah, I was like, what the fuck? And um, all you need to do is submit your work, and then they approve whoever they want. But then that got me onto something else. I looked more into their opportunities. Five thousand dollars for uh, five to forty-five thousand whatever baby you give them. Mm-hmm. Um, any project that somehow benefits a community within the Seattle area. You just have to show them how it benefits them. It doesn't have to financially benefit them. You can be giving them music or anything. That's awesome. And you don't have to have any credentials. All you're doing is you submit a proposal. You only can win once every two years for the particular opportunity. Mm-hmm. 
and not a lot of people apply. And it's called four posts. For culture. For culture. And the right. letter or the number four and then culture. I found out about them because a lot of venues in Seattle, public venues or cool shit, mm-hmm. is funded by Four Culture, which gets their funding from the excess transportation funds of Seattle. Dope. And they have like swaths of opportunities, but then there's also some other stuff they have on there and job opportunities. But <laughs> they actually had something that I wanted so bad, and I couldn't move down there at a whim. $60,000 a year, I think. It was sixty to eighty, And um, for brainstorming, for being on the board of those people, oh. improving and coming up with their own projects to use with their own funds, too. And I'm like, that sounds awesome. But it, these opportunities, though, that um, you can apply for the bids and stuff, uh, they'll give you half up front, I think it says on there, and then half on the completion. And... Um, it can take you as long as whatever you propose. So you don't have to live down there. It can be something that you do in the summer or yeah, whatever. commute, something like that. Side work, photography, anything that you can anyway. I that's just awesome. thought that it would be conducive to something that you'd like and be perfect for you. No, that sounds great. Thank you. Yeah, it's like a problem, dude. It's fucking, that's something that and I've been trying to figure out how, what kind of proposal I could throw up. I never knew that I could be not having a lot of money and that I could somehow impact the community. Yeah. Because... Now having that idea that I have that power, it's opened a lot of creative opportunities. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, one thing that I'm planning on doing now that I'm back is uh, my goal, once I find a place to live, because uh, I'm at my parents at the moment, yeah. um, is to basically not be in the house like every day of the week. Maybe maybe except for a couple days on the weekend or, or so, oh. but have, have something extracurricular going on every day of the week. I want to join a Toastmasters club. Yeah. So you know that. That's, yeah, exactly. Um, learn, get better at public speaking and whatnot, which I think would again benefit my politics. I want to maybe go to a chamber of commerce, you know, on meetings and, and get involved that way, get my face kind of out there. Anybody I want so. to join a choir. Um, yeah. Singing is something I, I absolutely love. Oh. And, um, Joining just a public choir would be a way for me to do that. Yeah. Oh, cool too. Yeah. And I remember you singing away at Mount Baker Vapor, <laughs> and you should join a fucking choir because <laughs> you do have a beautiful voice. Thank you. You're very welcome, and I'm not even just placating. I'm not placating. Yeah. Not pumping you up. But, right. Yeah. Do you? I really do like your voice. It's really you. soft. But uh, um, if the, I don't know, I think you finding those things. Before all the other stuff, mm-hmm. fucking that would be incredible, man. And it'll, it, it'll help me keep keep my depression at bay. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, isn't is depression? So the idea, so your concept of your depression mm-hmm. is that the result of because who you are innately, or because of your lifestyle? For you, for your own depression, I'm not trying yeah. to figure out what depression is on the whole. But yeah, it, I would say it's, it's both. It. Um, I, w- I was always kind of a lot more independent growing up. Uh, I had friends. I never had necessarily groups of friends. I just, I did more individual. And uh, I remember, I remember elementary school. I would, I would spend a lot of my recess just walking by myself. Uh-huh. 
it's not that other kids didn't want me. It's just I, I tended to isolate my own self. Um, yeah, and and then then in fifth grade, one of my friends, who I thought was a friend, um, and this is kind of where things I I think initially started. Uh, apart from also um, growing up, my older sister was kind of kind of kind of mean to me, but. Like she's, she's definitely grown out of it and, and thinks I'm the best brother anyone could have had. But, um, <laughs> like she was definitely not very encouraging growing up, you know, told me that I sucked at singing and stuff like that. Oh, um, so thank you again. Um, but it was fifth grade and it happened to be April Fool's day. And I don't think I had realized it, but this guy who lived in my neighborhood. And so by default, we were kind of friends. Um, cause I lived out in the boonies. Um, he knew I liked this girl. Uh, oh. and so he was, he was the quote unquote popular kid. Oh, shit. And, and she was one of the popular girls. And, and so he told her and convinced her to go and come up to me and tell me that she liked me. Oh, and then good. for an April Fool's joke, <laughs> and so that that was that was that was heartbreaking for yeah. for fifth grade Andrew. Fucking steals a ship too, and it did. Yeah, and and like I don't think I quite realized it, and I never really dated too much. Um, I you know I I never I just I thought. You know, there is all, it was all a lie, essentially. Mm -hmm. Kind of deep down inside, it was a joke. Like, why would they want me now? Like, yeah. like, who, you know, obviously this is, you know, they're just toying with me. Like, why would they actually like me? Um, then when I was in high school, around my junior, senior year, um, I, I dated this girl for a couple of years, three years or so. And it was really great. But I was also kind of nervous about like, oh, I got I got outside pressure and, and parents asking like, oh, is she the one? Kind of things like that, and never ask never ask people that. Yeah, let, let them decide on their own. Um, but I got I got a little self conscious and a little distance, and we we also weren't a good match at the time. Like I was highly sexual; she was very Christian. Oh. Um, and we, we also argued on that fact. Grind those gears. I was I was a firefighter at the time as well. I am rather atheist. Yeah. And, oh. Yeah. And so I was going to hell. And I'm like, that <laughs> that makes absolutely zero sense. If there is a God, why would he send me to go to hell? Because I'm risking my life to save others selflessly. Like this is this is what I'm doing. This is what I enjoy doing. And and you're telling me that your God is gonna send me to hell? Like that doesn't make sense. Or like Christmas I would rather go to hell then. Stirred in their seats now. Wow. And like it, it just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, but it didn't make sense to me either. To to kind of like jump ahead. Yeah. Um, she ended up breaking up with me and a week later started dating one of my friends who had broken up with his girlfriend the day after she broke up with me. Oh, oh. Dude, that would make my mind go in like many circles. It did. No matter what anyone would say, mm -hmm. it'd be very hard to believe anyone. And that was very that was another very heart heart heartbreaking experience for me that actually drove me even further into a depression. Um, because I I did care a lot about her. I had 
and and I blame myself for for kind of making things slightly distant and and getting a little bit self conscious about full ownership of everything. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, like I like did she cheat on me? I, you know, I don't I don't really know, um, and it's it's hard to believe if she said no. Also, yeah, that's and, and it's just like. You know, this guy was my friend too, and like that felt like a betrayal of trust, and it, it sent me into a very dark place. And when I went off to college, um, and to the point where I did a stupid mistake in my life, and luckily I'm still here. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, me too. That's why I got that tattoo. The story yeah. never ends. Right. Yeah. And you know that's that's not the only time you know but it's like it's it's been a struggle and i never admitted that i was ever depressed mm-hmm. and didn't, didn't really you know yeah you never really talked about it with yourself mm-hmm. and 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 put on a a more fake front and and people only saw the happy and the kind and and the the good and and, mm-hmm. uh, and like I had only had essentially a couple people in my in my life. Like one of the guys I ended up working with in Bellingham when I was uh, nineteen to twenty. He he looked at me and said, "He's like, you know, you're like a broken toy. You, you're you have the shiny exterior, but you're you're not okay on the inside." And that was a Whoa, yeah. He saw deep. He saw he saw real deep. Damn. That was that was like. <gasps> Dude, there's some motherfuckers Holy like shit. that. That's wow. <laughs> yeah, like you're the only person that's has seen this, and like I don't, I hardly admit it to myself. Yeah. Holy shit! I know exactly how that is because, like I said before, it, I was never ever honest to myself, mm-hmm. and that, whoa, that must have been like earth shattering. It was. <laughs> oh my gosh! And that got me thinking, and you know, I I I kept trying to to fix things on my own, um, but I always slid back. And, and I never, never talked about it much to hardly anyone. Um, I don't talk about it to my family. I don't know why it's, I, I still don't. I, and that's something I'm, I'm, I'm still struggling with, but I'll get there eventually. Yeah. It's work in progress. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. But I'm, I'm a lot more open about it, obviously. Now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, and, and I think that's a good thing, it, but it I needed, I needed the help to to get past and i needed to admit that i needed the help and then i needed to actually go out and do it <laughs> yeah this is the hardest part it's so hard and so finding a therapist and finding other people to talk to really helped yeah it, and realizing that if i if i spend too much time by myself and and not if i don't exercise then i will i will slip Mm-hmm. And so, so getting out and, and having something to do like every day of the week and meeting people, not only does it get me outside my comfort zone and, and building and growing as a person, but it also keeps me healthy. Yeah, it, exactly. And it's the most fruitful thing that you mm-hmm. can spend your time on for the sake of your own self yeah. too, not, not even numbers or anything like that. But And if I'm giving back to the community too, then in a selfish way, it's helping my political career. Yeah, exactly. And it, <laughs> if you look at it in the end is when you're doing that, regardless of like the now and how mm-hmm. it is, how it looks now or how it feels, if you kept doing that, A, it's different. B, it's uncomfortable. C, it's always going to build into something. You're just going to get growth regardless. Mm-hmm. 
and I, I that's where I have gotten I don't even mean to I'm not even attempting to mirror you it's just really odd <laughs> actually um, when I, I did the martial arts in December <clears throat> and then I've always had poetry in the background but I, I shoved it forward even more and then with podcasts and all these things I've been trying to orchestrate because these are the cornerstones of like I get a lot out of MMA what poetry doesn't get give to me but then I get a lot of podcasting so it's like they're they're barely overlapping but they're just touching each other nice. and it's when I don't have those things and like I have a week where you know I, I might be going to go do stuff I don't I I can't I can't be like that anymore I can't have a week without it's not I can't have a week without that but I could not imagine stopping these things that I've started because I've never felt more whole in my entire life because I've always just been middling lost and alone. And it's, I have no, had no purpose. I've always had, but I had this desire, but no purpose. And mm -hmm. that's why I still struggle with this job and these concepts of this. And I have for a while, I've never been able to articulate. I'm getting better at it. Still can't though, but mm -hmm. um, it's this, still the same thing though, because I get depressed and these things are very worthwhile for me. And if I incorporate these into my life, the more I incorporate them, the more I diversify them, the better my life gets in ways that my mom didn't even realize her life could be. She didn't do exactly what I do. She does sometimes. But she does other things that expands on her life. And she didn't realize that life can be this enjoyable. And I hate to see people who never experienced that in their entire life. So the fact that you have the balls to share this now not specifically now, but to share this in this point in your life, mm -hmm. it doesn't only benefit you. It's selfless as it is selfish. Yeah. As and opposed to below. One thing that I, I know for sure is that I get enjoyment out of helping others. Yeah. And so if I'm out doing something every day of the week, not only am I making myself happy, but I'm, I'm giving back to others as well. Yeah. And that's only just going to make me feel better. So if, even if I don't get into politics and, and whatnot, if I'm still helping the community out, if I'm, mm -hmm. you know, through, whether I'm in the choir, or if I'm, you know, helping out at the uh, food center, giving out food, mm -hmm. um, you know, the homeless shelter, volunteering there, doing maybe big brothers, big sister kind of thing. Yeah. You know, then I'm, I'm feeling good about myself and mm -hmm. I'm making other people happy. And that's and, awesome. Yeah. And that I, as that sounds, it sounds like it transcends every other pursuit that you do not, not speaking of photography once again, but speaking of like money, speaking of all these other things that you would replace that time with. And it's beautiful, man. And it's beautiful you're able to identify that. And I just, I'm excited to watch you push forward through this and um, I'll be right there. And I hope you can help me push forward in the things that I'm trying to do and continuing to do because it's, it's fucking hard. Definitely. But I'm always there to yeah. reach down exactly. and pull people up. I am too, man. It's because once again, it's hard, but it's one of the only things that are worthwhile. It's fucking yeah. And I, oh, yeah, it's mm -hmm. amazing. It's for damn sure. It's it's just it's hard to get to those places sometimes. It it's, it's a journey. Yeah, it, it is a journey. <laughs> and I think the coolest thing though is that you doing these, you're not static it's impossible to be static, Andrew. You never were static. No one is ever static. But I mean, the more you do these exponentially, your life changes and 
opportunities and obstacles exponentially change as well. Like that's, it's really, really cool to see that happen and grow. Yeah. But yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> that's one more. I And so if like, you know, if I'm, if I'm like, I get home and then I just smoke, you know, that's, that's all I'm doing. And it's making me okay with being lazy and complacent. Oh, I see. Um, granted on the weekends, if I, if I limit to maybe the, just the weekends or, mm-hmm. or just before bed, yeah, something like that, I'm okay with that. Um, intentionally. I, if you want your house cleaned, Give me a bowl. <laughs> Sativa. Just... And holy shit. It would be spotless. That's <laughs> the only way I can clean a counter. I can't do that shit sober. It's like, oh, so tedious. <laughs> like, I smoke, I put in my podcast, and I just go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That's awesome. <laughs> that's, um, I had to take four years to learn how to smoke. And still, I was just like, still, I even struggle with that. Like, I don't struggle with it. First of all, I'm not saying that people, I don't know a lot of people who have problems with weed that interfere. I know some people who do. Mm-hmm. But I also know some people who have problems with eating getting in the way. I have a problem. I think I have a problem with eating. <laughs> but I think I have, I need a high calorie, calorie intake. But mm-hmm. it takes a lot of my time to cook food. But um, <laughs> the, with, yeah. <laughs> With um, weed, though, I quit for the four years. I quit everything, but I specifically quit weed because I was like, I was habitually smoking it. I didn't feel like I was intentionally smoking it. And Mm -hmm. I'm trying to make sure I get to those places. Like now, I I try to use, uh, (laughs) I use use, like mushrooms for um, certain tasks that that's useful for. Like I'll write on mushrooms sometimes, uh, microdosing. Uh, so I'll just take so like I do LSD for that. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. I've been trying to something to. This sounds like something to escape. That's what like a, this <laughs> message says in my head. But I want something to explore because I found out that if I use these things like a, a supplement in using weed too, like my mom, mm-hmm. she smokes for pain, but also habitually. It's fine for her. She doesn't get in the way of most yeah. of the shit. But. Um, I started seeing these things as they were useful. So instead of in my head, party, it was, okay, I can use this. So like when I need to edit, I, I smoke weed because I, mm-hmm. I'm going to edit. I like procrastinate. Editing. <laughs> but if I like, I sit down, I'll edit for a couple minutes first before I smoke and then I'll smoke. I'll be there zoned in editing. Yep. And then I'm good. But in with the mushrooms and like microdosing, writing, it helps a lot. So I try to write sometimes microdosing and then other times not. So I get like a nice wide range yeah. of, you know, writing styles. But um, it's helped in not be who the person that I used to be six years ago who just willy-nilly did shit habitually to escape from difficult obstacles in life. And now I'm facing them that high from those was so much nicer and rewarding i've been uh yeah wanting some shrooms to to work through my uh, depression Mm, i've heard some good shit about that that is what i've heard as well so i'm very curious and that's that's what actually sparked me that's what sparked me that's actually who got me to when i was back at like mount baker vapor i started Mm -hmm. smoking weed again because of rogan 
<laughs> don't want to be a Roganite, but um, because of Rogan, but then all these other things like with DMT, acid, yeah. and doctors talking about intentional use and all this shit. So I'm like, fuck it. <laughs> you're, not a, you're not an idiot or whatever if you use those things, if you use them intentionally. So I even heard the stuff on depression and then MDMA was PTSD. Yes. Which I, from the sounds of our conversations, MDMA and about your past relationship, if you were ever to sit with someone who is able to work you, help you work through that and transition that memory from a painful memory into a different kind of memory. That might be good. Very interesting. I've only used MDMA in a party atmosphere, and As I hate the come down. Yeah, they, I heard. They, ugh, it's been like it's rough for me. Six years, and I did. I used to just do ecstasy with my ex-wife. She used to do all the time, and that's why I quit after that. Mm -hmm. um, because if she did it all the time, I couldn't even do it slightly because you go off the yeah. rails. But um, I can't even remember. I heard that like when you wake up and shit, it's you're fucking you're foggy and your head hurts. Yeah, there are some supplements you can take, yeah. like five of HTP and uh, L thyrene or something like that. Oh, L L thytum. It's L something. Yeah. I take that, I take <laughs> that shit for just for my happy pills and then also my um, neurotropic or some bullshit. Yeah, but yeah, tropics. Yeah, um, but LSD is microdosing is amazing. One, really? I, I was, I, I had some, uh, when I went to Arizona and I was, did it about once a week. Mm -hmm. I, I did have some breaks in between, but you don't want to do it any more than once every three days. Yeah. You build up immediate tolerance. Okay. But you take a typical tab mm -hmm. and you cut that into nights. Boom, boom, boom. And you just take mm -hmm. one of those. Oh. One of those little nights. Shit. And it, it, it's not very big. And you you can function completely 100%. Mm -hmm. It's just like everything was a little bit brighter. I was in a very positive mood. Um, creativity flowed a lot easier. Yeah. Um, my vision was crisper, um, which was really cool Ooh, that was really fucking cool like, i could see f further and and more yeah, like acutely yeah yeah it'd be good for hunting yeah <laughs> um like, ooh, connectivity with nature yeah. positive mood uh kept me focused like it's better than i like ritalin or any really? other adhd um, oh, kind of drugs yeah i've never even taken the adhd drug i've been curious if it would make me flip-flop i don't think it would i don't have adhd though i i i had tried um i've been on uh like an adderall type thing before so does it make um, you go down so are you flip-floppity no it was it just makes me it it, it calms my mind yeah so so it does make you flip because like so if someone else who not most people some people who take it they go up yeah and then but then the flip flop okay, yeah. I guess then yeah or yeah I don't and, know if it's yeah because it's an amphetamine so it would make me go up yeah yeah one uh, Maybe. one of my co-workers one time gave me some of his Vyvanse because he thought it would be beneficial it's a, just a different name for another drug oh, that, okay. for ADHD okay um, he's like you should you, should, you know do you want to try this like i'll give you some of my own medication mm -hmm. and i was you know it's like well why not give us try yeah um and holy shit like 
I was able to sit down and read a book. And for me, that was just amazing. Really? Like being able to sit and focus and read a book and, and not get distracted or bored or anything like that. It mm-hmm. was, it was just like, Holy shit. This is what nor- the, <laughs> normal. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is what most people feel like. And mm-hmm. like, it's, I'd had this maybe during school or something like that. Yeah. It would have been just completely different. Um, but I don't, I don't like it as much. And I found that doing the microdose of LSD gave me that as well. And it doesn't have any, cause the Vyavan, does you get zombie effects? I never took it enough to, to, I don't think. But do you think that would happen if you took it regular? Like with the Ritalin, does that happen if you take a Ritalin? I never took Ritalin as well. Oh, okay. Because well, I'm just curious if, because um, it sounds like LSD has a better efficacy. I know that yeah. you're, you're only your anecdotal experience, but I mean, talking to other people who have similar situations, those pills always seem to fuck them. And that's, and that's the thing. And that's something that I had worried about and kind of like iffy about. And mm-hmm. Also, why I don't want to take any necessarily be on a constant medication for depression. Either. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be yeah. a constant medication for, it's for the whole, anything about the whole intentional smoke, anything. It's non-habitualization of anything. Yeah. That's it. And, and, and that makes me nervous. And yeah, I can understand that. So yeah, like, I love, like, taking a full tab, uh, you know, that, that can be fun, mm-hmm. but I found that I preferred microdose dosing. Really? Yeah. Oh. Um, Damn. I have done DMT. That was the first hallucinogen I ever did. Yeah, so I remember you telling me about that. <laughs> and I've been just researching more and more about it. You smoked it, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, so you got that. Just... Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I passed through the wormhole. <laughs> I went to the Enter the stage. nexus. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So. Uh, and the... yeah, that, was, that was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I think I would try it again. Uh, in a better set and setting. Really? Yeah. I'd do it if I had access to it or when I have access mm-hmm. to it uh, every six months. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be my God, thing. I wouldn't do it. it yeah, no. It's in the only... Oh, I actually probably once a year cycling off with uh, either an intense dose of mushrooms or uh, an intense dose of mm-hmm. acid. So six months on one and then six months on the other. They, the thing that's interesting to me, though, is I mean, we've, I think you've, a lot of, so many people watch the documentary DMT spirit molecule Mm -hmm. talk about how like the, even, um, through transcendental experiences and through meditation, um, possibly a release through your pineal gland and shit like that. Right. And like just everything and things that I've been reading even more that branch off from those, it's just kind of confirmed, not confirmed. It's opened me up to different ideas and with virtual reality. Oh, becoming more believable with your mind believing it more thoroughly. I can imagine taking a hallucinogen and then going to a VR world. But, oh my god, they're actually um, they're they're doing some some good stuff with that right now. Float tank, <laughs> mushrooms, virtual reality, and well, they're Holy saying the, like the re- the realities that you create in virtual reality are so indist- can become time is on mm-hmm. so indistinguishable from our own that you know the whole question are we living in a simulation i mean there's a 
there are banks that say that and, and things like that and Elon Musk and whatnot, mm-hmm. there's a 50% chance we are. It's exactly. And there's like, there's the weird shit with the, and I'm not very good at um, fuck, chemistry, physics, or any of that stuff, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but the whole electrons bouncing, bleeping in and out of existence around the fucking neuron, I think. Yeah, so. It's, because like you, you have the. Quantum physics? Are you getting. Yes, quantum physics. Okay. And there's, I think it's an electron, and when in its orbit around the neuron, it mm-hmm. bleeps in and out of existence, and we can't account for where that is. It's basic quantum physics, but I'm yeah. an idiot, so it's hard <laughs> to articulate it. But that thing, though, we can't explain that. And shit like that, like, uh, it, it makes me curious. Then I look at hallucinogenic experiences, and who's to say that so everything that you experience is real to you, right? And not in hallucinogenic, just normal life. Yeah. Um, everything that we create is something that we are influenced by nature. Imagination takes what we see. Mm-hmm. And then we are inspired by our imagination and we create something out of it. We don't copy nature exactly skyscrapers are not a copy of nature but it's a combination yeah so if we're pulling concepts from our imagination into the real world there's a lot of implications on that but who's to say that like the imagination that exists in a virtual space is not just another dimension in and of itself or the reality which exists when in a hallucinogenic space is not another dimension in and of itself, especially when you take similar substances with people mm-hmm. and you come away with the same revelatory experience with very, very, very similar things that happen then. I mean, I, I personally am pretty open to the idea of the multiverse. Just, yeah. And like with my trip, you know, everything felt real. I lived and died millions and millions of times mm-hmm. of my own life that each one was slightly different than the other one. Yeah. I didn't make it, you know, to old age in every single one. I died at different points. Like, you know, I grew old completely. I, I died. You know, I, I reborn from birth to death. Just boom. And and I felt and lived every single one of those lives. Yeah. And if that, who's this, but why, how could I deny you that feeling because not saying even that because you walk away still impacted by that feeling and that impact alone is real. It took me, it took me like weeks to basically accept that this <laughs> is the reality that I'm in. Tell me about it. I, even <laughs> on a big mushroom trip that I had like uh, two months ago, it took me uh, about a week and a half, and I'm like. Fuck. Oh, okay. It's, it's like, insane. well, I'm, I'm, I'm not progressing through my life. I haven't, you know, I'm not being reborn again. Okay, this, I'm gonna accept this as my reality. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> this, what the fuck? <laughs> and the, there's the idea too, is that um, I don't, we don't have any hard evidence on this. I know I'm speculating, and once again, I, I really need to do a lot of research, but, um, <laughs> but I know this for fact that we. We do not have a firm grasp on when we go days without sleep, why it affects us and why we can get psychosis. Mm -hmm. And if we are in a hallucinogenic experience every time we're sleeping, what if that is like an essential thing? 
to go to. Yeah, but that's, once again, that's speculating, but it's interesting. Like, the idea that, like, dreams are are just another crazy thing, and it's like we produce parts of DMT, which, you know... Exactly. And and a lot of... Because smoking marijuana made me basically stop dreaming. Mm -hmm. Um, Did it really? Yeah. And not smoking it again... You know, I've definitely started to dream again. Um, but before I started smoking in general, I used to dream in the way of Inception, basically. Ooh, that's a ride. And I I would be like seven layers deep. I would Holy wake shit. up and think I'm, I'm woken up. And this would happen up to seven layers before I came out of my sleep. Well, you legitimately like deeply lucid dream. Yeah. God, wow. And, and 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 that was and it, you know I'd wake up in the morning so it's just being like, well, fuck, am I actually awake now? Holy <laughs> shit! Are you kidding me? Not at all. And were they traumatic uh, or are they not? They were like they were very realistic. And, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and like, I would, I would just, uh, you know, some of them would be fun and neat. I, you know, I remember this one where I was, I, I had come out like four times, woken up, and this fourth one, I was in the jungle, basically, mm-hmm. and I was exploring and I ended up running through the jungle because I was being chased by mosquitoes, like swarm oh. mosquitoes. And I just woke up like slapping myself, basically, just because it, it, you know, I, it, it all feels real. Everything in, in, when I dream feels real. That's the exact thing that I have to question. That's crazy. And so it's that was that was one of the things that was interesting and made me kind of start smoking a lot too, is because I, I it's hard trusting my dreams, and mm-hmm. I also had dreams that were premonition. Oh um, wow. The clearest example I have is I was having this dream that me and my buddy were going to go see this movie. Mm-hmm. And where I grew up, there was a Dairy Queen across the street from uh, from the movie theater. And it was also on the corner, and it was a blind corner. So me and my friend, we went to Dairy Queen. We had our Sundays, and then we were going to walk across and catch the movie. Mm-hmm. He went first, and a car came around the corner and hit and killed him. So, Whoa. about a week or two later, this is now reality, and we're at we're at the theater. We go to Dairy Queen, mm-hmm. and I'm getting this really strong deja vu. And the dream comes back to me. I'm just like, this is this feels too Whoa. coincidental. We go out. He's about ready to go, and I grab him and pull him back. Sure enough, what? the car comes around the corner. Would have hit and killed him. What? That's spooky as <laughs> fuck. Are you kidding me? Not at all. Holy shit. I'd be smoking massive amounts of weed. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, my gosh. No more dreams. That's wow. So that was another reason why I took up smoking. Mm-hmm. Damn. And were there any, like, so you, that was one of the things that set you off in the smoking, though. Mm-hmm. And then dreams discontinued after that. Mm-hmm. Wow. And did you feel like, um, 
like there was a piece of you missing when you did not experience dreams yeah. frequently or I mean at all. I definitely did. I'm curious. I want to know if they have any evidence or anything, or not evidence, but yeah, sure. Yeah. Any well, science on why we would, uh, for some people or for everybody, make it to where you don't dream? Because I'm curious, because the dreaming thing, I'd always assume that dreaming would be the response from the um, the release of DMT from your pineal gland, so you're having a hallucinogenic experience yeah. when you're sleeping. Once again, just because of hallucinogenic experience, it just doesn't mean you're seeing random shit, because I don't think it's ever random shit. It's influenced by your environment and the world at large, obviously manifesting <laughs> in very strange ways. That has even been recorded outside of your experience through centuries and other people's experiences. Yeah. Um, and it makes me wonder if, like, wow. if I had grown up in, like, a tribe or something, if I would have been a shaman. Yeah. Holy shit. And it also, and that makes it really interesting, too, is because people who have always relied on these hallucinogenic or transcendental experiences um, to be able to... And and yeah, and like you know, I was it it, it was scary, right? <laughs> and and in our society, we don't have anyone to understand or talk about that. But if if I had grown up in like a Native American tribe or something, you know, I might have had someone that could have explained and another shaman to help walk me through things. I think that's why my DMT trip was so powerful. I think I think the hallucinogens af- like really affect me hard, um, and it doesn't take m- as much as it would another person for me to blast off. Essentially, because you're prime or more apt to, and I can see that. Mm-hmm. Huh. There's something that you may or may not be interested in again. There's a church mm-hmm. around Seattle in an undisclosed location. And they operate off, because they only can, off of donations. And it's ayahuasca retreat in the Seattle area. I've heard rumors. Yes. <laughs> and it's the, you know, one of these times. But I think you'd be interested. Probably. I, I would like to go. That that, that, that is one of the things with, with uh, DMT or ayahuasca is I would want a shaman there yeah. with me. And that's what I also thought, that you might get like a lot from that experience, too, and being able to communicate what is your, you know, what their experience is and how that resonates with you mm-hmm. because that might even be something else that you're really interested in. That would be, because the way that you and I met, I guess to elaborate on that a little bit, <laughs> it just with work and working in Mount Baker Vapor, but the, it's not an authority figure. It's like a, a gentle embrace, I guess. That would be the way that I would describe our initial interactions, but not just between you and I, but in when I watch you interact with other people. And a gentle embrace, as in, like, kind of a guiding thing mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And just kind of, like, watching and then pushing them somewhere or another and then offering your assistance, that healthy nature that you have. And it's, it's interesting to see that and then to also think of that in the sense of the shaman and your premonitions and stuff like that. Yeah, it just kind of seems to overlap. Yeah, that really does. I really thought about it like that. And also, like, even even with your insecurities, 
you've also gotten to these other places to where you've become very vulnerable or being able to identify ways in which you are vulnerable and a greater sense of self. Yeah. Makes you, yeah. Oh. One of the things I wish I had had a shaman from for my, my DMT trip was that during it, at one point in time, because um, I had happened three phases. The first phase, I was flying through the tunnel of colors and shapes and like the three entities that were talking with me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was loving and happy and amazing. Mm. And then the second phase where I started to progress through my life, lives, I guess. Oh, gosh. Um, and that went on for millions of years. Um, at one point in that, and because it happened fast but slow at the same time, it's kind of hard to explain. Like, I experienced every single aspect of my life, but it also happened like that. Oh, wow. So it, it went like almost at the flash of your eyes, but it felt elongated, like you absorbed it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, that one point in that, like, I was progressing through my life and it stopped. Mm-hmm. And I, I was in the same area that I had smoked in, but obviously it was like a different life, different place, but there was a guy and he was just sitting there and he's like, well, I've been waiting for you. Mm. <laughs> oh God, no! <laughs> It'd be hard not to turn back or run forward. <laughs> right? I, I had no, no choice. I was, the drug was <laughs> carrying me on the journey. Yeah. And he was just like, you know, I've just been waiting for you and you know, just wanted to meet you, and now oh. I have, and now I can, I can move on. Thank you. Holy shit! Mm-hmm. What? I, I never met the person in my life. I like, I, I, God, I would be scared to death if I met them. And oh God! Help me. <laughs> shit myself and start running. <laughs> I'd be so curious, but just so terrified at the same time. I wanted to ask myself if I would trip in this whole fucking mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, how do you know? Tell me, what what's going on? Yes. <laughs> just run and pick him out. You! I know you! But it was just, it was one of the strangest things. Because, yeah, he, he's just like smiling, just like, I've been waiting. Whoa. <laughs> Dude, that's intense. <laughs> Holy shit. And then after our meeting, I started progressing through my life again, and kept going, you know, life to death, life to death again. And that was it? Well, then the third phase, because when I, that finally came to a head, uh-huh. I was back in the room I smoked in, and this time I was stuck in purgatory. Okay. So let's say you and I were in the room. Mm-hmm. You would just be there. and You would be blank. I could get up and walk around you, you know, whatnot. I could touch you, but you would just be stationary and blank and right there. And I was trapped in the room. So as soon as I... Yeah, I was like, fuck, I've been gone millions of years. I'm ready to be done. I'm just ready to be done. But it's like, okay, how do I get out of here? Okay, what if, what if I go through that door? As soon as that thought popped into my mind, boom, I was back sitting down where I, I originally started. Oh, okay... Well, what if I, what if I, what if I try to go through that window? Boom, I'm, I'm back. Okay. And, and so any, any time the thought 
popping in my head. Boom, I'd be back. Oh, it was like a restart. Whoa. And so it kind of boiled down to me basically just swearing. What if I could, fuck, I've already tried that. What if I fuck? Like, fuck. And you remembered everything that you mm-hmm. tried before? Oh, whoa. Yeah, and it's just like, fuck, fuck. <laughs> like, I just, I, I just want to be, like, why can't I, you know, I yeah. just want to be done. And then the entities came back, and they're like, Andrew, you must go through the portal. Well, obviously, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> always a portal, damn it. <laughs> and so they're like, you know, go through the portal. And sure enough, there was this portal, and I went through <laughs> that door, and then through another door, and I was finally done tripping. Oh, and it had only been 10 minutes. Jesus. Yeah. That's how did you feel like when you came out of that? I was confused, scared, terrified. <laughs> um, I didn't know. Once again, I didn't know if I was done. Yeah. I didn't know if I was done tripping. Because um, yeah, I, 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 was, I was in life. And, mm-hmm. and the entire trip had basically been me living my lives. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I was, I was scared, terrified. Um, I eventually made it back home. A friend came and picked me up and brought me home. And when I went to bed that night, I still had a lot of DMT in the system. Yeah. And I dreamt that I was back in the room that I had smoked in <laughs> and that my friends were around me that had been there. And they were just like, Andrew, please come back to us. You're okay. Andrew, please, please come back. That's, that's, that's a bad dream. Yeah. That's a really and bad so, dream. So, you know, I, I, when I woke back up, it's like, is, was, is that actually me mm-hmm. that, that I saw while I was asleep? Is that is that the real me? Is this am I still tripping? Oh no! That's how. I even even when I come out of just a mushroom trip, I get freaked out by that, and I couldn't even imagine something like that intense. <laughs> Fuck! Yeah. Oh, God. So, so if I do it again, I I really want to have a shaman. Yeah, set and setting mm-hmm. for damn sure. Do shaman shit. Yeah. They do donation only. I don't want to be an asshole and be like, well, <laughs> yeah, like a hundred bucks. So, <laughs> but yeah, there's a, they have a website. Uh, yeah, you don't have to give me that. I'll send you a website. There's a, see when I was on the mushrooms last, I kind of had a situation similar to that on the third phase. Mm-hmm. Except, well, but not similar like that at all. <laughs> at the same time, it was a bad, it was a bad trip. I made a mistake. I went out to the desert. I ate an ounce. And, um, desert. Yeah, I was all by myself. Well, that's oh, the no. thing. <laughs> I, I'm fine, like, by myself. I can, that's usually my best because I get solo and I'm not, my barriers go down. I'm not worried. There's no anxiety, like, oh, what are they going to think of me or anything like that? It's just me. Yeah. But desert's bad because it's so empty. And I was like tired when I got yeah I was you know I was tired when I got there. I'm like I don't want to be here and then I'm like yeah right when I said that <laughs> I'm like fuck this is gonna be a bad trip and then I ate the mushrooms because I was fucking just in a bad mood that day no not I was in a good mood I was just trying to rush it which is a bad idea so I ate the ounce and then all of a sudden oh yeah and I don't like rattlesnakes. Um, and every rock <laughs> yeah I, unfortunately I was able to see that like I remembered that okay yeah. I don't like rattlesnakes and I know that there's rattlesnakes out here but everything that every rock I'm gonna look at is probably gonna look like a rattlesnake so just don't believe that <laughs> and I actually I remember that very well except there were coyotes which were the bushes and there were and then there were people 
And I'm like, there's people in the middle of nowhere out here. So I ended up like going back because I, I hiked all the way out there and then ate the mushrooms. And then it became like a hero's journey of where oh, you have man. to go to the car. <laughs> and then I'm like getting to the car. And then there's coyotes, which are just bushes wavering. And then there's the snake rocks. And I'm like, well, there's snake rocks, but I don't know if those are coyotes or bushes. <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. And then like I was thinking to myself, like, so why am I here? And then I get lost because usually in mushrooms, I'll get lost in the sea. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be like, wait, what kind of questions were I asking? Who am I? What, what am I doing? And I just keep walking down this trail. And I'm like, I know I got to walk this way. And then I, I, I go through all these, like, these progressions, but I eventually get to the car. And I, I'm nowhere near done tripping. I'm like, fuck, I need to get home. And it was like, um, you call it. I get to the point though where I'm late or sitting in the car. I'm like, all right, am I tripping? And I, I was vaping at the time, mm-hmm. so I take a drag and I blow it. And then all of a sudden, it like it turns blue, and then <laughs> it, it, it like fucking morphs into an animal. And I'm like, oh, I'm tripping. <laughs> and so like I go in my back seat. All right, I'm gonna sleep this off because you can sleep on mushrooms. Oh, that's nice. And yeah, and I close my eyes, and then all of a sudden shit starts happening behind my eyelids i'm like yeah i can't sleep what am i doing and i get up and then i'm like oh i'm leaving and then i get in the front seat and i'm like wait am i tri-? i just repeat the same thing over and over. <laughs> i keep forgetting no. that and i'm like what the fuck is going on and then yeah it was just crazy <laughs> just, you know. but uh usually my mushroom trips are somewhat transcendental like that mushroom trip i that's when i quit vaping I walked away. I didn't go into it like, I'm going to quit vaping. Yeah. Fucking chain vaping. And then <laughs> I was just driving home after that from central Washington. I just looked at my e-cigarette and went, eh, not so much. Yeah. And then I it's never awesome. started again. So they, we, get cool. the, we get the trip we need, not the one we want. No. It's, <laughs> yeah. And stop asking my, I, I have to learn to stop asking myself questions in the process, too. I don't know about that. You don't think so? Well, I'm trying to make it well, okay. Attention. In the process, yes. I think beforehand you mm-hmm. should have a list of questions. Oh, and uh, okay. And and go into it and have that list. And if you have a sitter, have that sitter help you with the list. Oh shit! 